That's for you is exactly what he said. And Sabathia came out of the dugout and was kind of intercepted by Boone. Sabathia didn't like that at all. And he hits him. And now CeCe just lost himself $500,000 as he's thrown out of the game. And that's why CeCe's teammates love him, David. CeCe don't play. This is his final appearance at Yankee Stadium. All right, everybody. Here we are. Shug Me the Mooney, episode 52, a.k.a. Yep. CC. 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 Remember, like, <laughs> we've said it a bunch of times. Like, we, we went to the last game where CC Sabathia pitched. It was actually the last baseball game we've been to at this point. Um... You know, Yankees was getting blown out by the Astros. And they brought in CC in to relief, out of bullpen, out of relief. He clearly kind of um, ran out of gas towards the end of the season. So he couldn't start. So he was a bullpen piece in the postseason. Threw his arm out, very sad to watch. But, you know. Let's not forget that's for you, bitch. Which was a couple months, like a month or two before that, when they played the Tampa Bay Rays, and it was kind of like the beginning of this whole like beanball war that we've been in with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and we, we played the Rays this week, but we'll get get into that in a little bit. Uh, and I think we we one of our one of their guys got hit, and it wasn't like intentional, and then they threw. At like Austin Roman's head, hit him in the shoulders. So first thing CC Sabathia did, came out. First batter, hit him right in the right right in the, the ass. And as he's walking off the mound, he's like, "That's for you." Um, and the the and the story behind it is the fact that CC was like cruising at the time. And if he had gotten like I think one more inning or something like that, he would have got like a five hundred thousand dollar bonus. So he really put himself, he really put the team ahead of himself, um, you know, tr showing true leadership and the unwritten, the unwritten rules of baseball, you know, that's open to interpretation. I'm a guy, I like this stuff. Um, but the, the Yankees did end up giving him that, I guess, as a like retirement gift. They still ended up giving him the money, even though he didn't reach that threshold. Yeah, nice little under the table. And here you go, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. appreciate that in like briefcase. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. You know, the good week of sports, ups and downs uh, mm -hmm. for us as fans. But we'll get into that. Uh, how, besides that, how you feeling? Feeling good? It's a Saturday. It's May fifteenth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, starting to get warmer. About um, a couple, like within like a handful of days, a week and a half or so from my birthday. So. Getting older and older, wiser. Uh, you know, that's all. Right. You know, that's <laughs> that's over the Gemini's. That's yeah, over to interpretation. I know Mike's birthday is coming up soon too. Yeah, we're both Gemini's, mm -hmm. so uh, 
we get that. Well, I get that if you listen to our show often. We've got a lot that of yinging. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so with me, uh, I don't like this weather too much. Like last week when we recorded, I was feeling good. I like that was nice, but this is too hot. Uh, and like you know, like instead of wearing like a, a book bag or like women have like a purse, I wear my jacket deep into the summer so I can have keep all my stuff in it. So mm-hmm. constantly I'm getting the aren't you hot? Aren't you hot? And I'm like, it's my look. Back off. Um, but yeah, actually today I was up in White Plains getting my second dose, uh, the mm-hmm. Pfizer. Um, had that so it's been three weeks since I got the first one. Uh this time around, uh it was very uh very crowded, longer wait, about an mm-hmm. hour altogether. Uh, but it was at the county center. So while I'm there, you know, I have time to look at my phone, get, get ready for this the show and just go see what's going on. And because um, last night as wrestling fans and just as everyone probably knows that uh, uh, we're big wrestling fans, but uh, someone we lost someone in the world of uh, pro wrestling, New Jack. Mm-hmm. And while I was looking through it, I was uh, remembering that the county center held uh, so many great moments in WWF and WWE history, but also in the nineties, ECW would come there and uh, do like house shows, but they also filmed like TV show things there too. And there was actually a big moment that happened in December of 99. It was new Jack jumping off the balcony. So mm-hmm. like the, the, this, the county center is small, but it's big enough to hold like maybe like a couple of thousand. So it was still pretty cool seeing this. Like if you go on Google and you type in new Jack white plains, like you see him as a blurry shot of him jumping off, uh, the balcony in, in, uh, in the place. Uh, so that's just cool to see. I looked up, I was like literally underneath it where I got my shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so less blood in mine. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to get into, uh, anything, anything, well, uh, want to get into, let's get into it now. The new Jack. Yeah. All right. So Thursday night, um, dark side of the ring aired their newest episode and I couldn't help, but think of new Jack because, uh, it was about a, a death match wrestler. Uh, he's like a generation uh, younger than New Jack, so uh, they might have crossed paths a few times at one of these shows, but they didn't, they didn't acknowledge it at all. But I was thinking about New Jack, and I, you know, I was looking him up, and of course, New Jack is—he's—he uh, he was still active on Twitter. He, he was doing cameo, so it wasn't like one of these wrestlers were like, "Oh yeah, remember him? Oh, he's gone." Uh, he was still active, especially because a year prior, Dark Side did an episode on New Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watched that episode. Uh, what'd you think when you when you heard about this last night, man? Yeah, I watched it. Um, it's interesting because I sent you um, DJ Vlad, the interview he did with DJ Vlad. DJ Vlad just recently started interviewing wrestlers. Um, he just done uh, Mark Henry, New Jack, uh, maybe one other person, but you know, he, you know, DJ Vlad interviews, they're very like in depth, and he asks like, all these different questions and stuff like that. And he, you know, I, I sent it to Mike, but I'd already seen all the clips, but I hadn't watched like the full video. So something like a week or two ago told me like, yo, like, you know, eh, you don't got nothing else better to do. Like, you know, watch it. And I watched it. Um, actually, I had like the tab open for like a couple of weeks. And Dujak was out kind of dude. Like the first thing when he died, and he kind of talked about it in the Vlad interview and he talked about it in Dark Side of the Ring about how he wants to die um, high off coke or whatever, whatever. And he also said that like in the DJ Vlad interview that he developed heart problems from his coke habit in the 90s. So Muffer's tweet when he died, well, obviously RIP New Jack, but I was like, 
you know, like New Jack had a, he said, I was like, New Jack said he had a $800 a week cocaine habit. And I'm like, this was back in 1996. So like adjust for inflation, it was probably like, it'd probably be like a $5,000 like coke habit today. So it, it, it was a gratuitous amount of like coke he probably did in his life. So I was like, you know, like $1,800 a week in 1996, adjust that to inflation. Like, New Jack knew he wasn't long for this world. Um, but, you know, when we have seen him in interviews and stuff like that, he didn't look sickly or anything like that. But, you know, you you can't see somebody's, like, heart condition. Um, but he was a wild dude, man. I, like, I was looking through my old tweets about him, you know, uh, and one of the things, <laughs> One of the things, it was on the dark side of the ring. I think it was also on the Vlad interview. He was talking about the match where he had gotten arrested. Uh, not the the mass transit, but the, a match later on, like in his post-ECW life, like when he was on the indie circuit. He stabbed a dude and he got arrested for stabbing him. And during the interview, he was like, I don't, matter of fact, I think it was DJ Vlad. He was like, you, it said you stabbed him 16 times. He was like, I didn't stab him 16 times. It was nine. I counted. <laughs> yeah. I think that same match, um, is that the match where like the referee was like an old man? Remember? And like he wouldn't get on. He His gimmick was like he never fell down or he was never on his back. So New Jack was like, lay down. He's just like beating the shit out of the old man. Well, yeah. he wasn't one of the no, matches. His, his, his opponent was the old guy. Uh, no, I meant like and a I, really, really old guy. You know, the really, really old guy with the long hair and like skinny legs. Yeah, that was his opponent. Oh, okay. His opponent okay, was yeah, like yeah. a sixty-seven year old yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, that's and what he I'm said, about. and mind you, like New Jack had been wrestling for like, like fifteen years at this point. So he said before the match, he'd never like met the guy before. But the mm-hmm. first thing the guy said to him was like, "Listen, if you like," he he's like, "Listen, kid, like, let me tell you how to do this, mm-hmm. like." Let me let me show you how to do this. And like New Jack took offense to that because he's like, I don't know who the hell you are. Like, who who are you? And he he decided to teach him a lesson. Um, kind of the same thing happened yeah. in the you know with him transit, the big yeah. events or like the mass transit stuff like that. And he was extremely like controversial in like Georgia State, no Smoky Mountain wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something yeah, for Jim, Mountain, yeah. Jim yeah. Point. So it was in the deep south, and this wasn't like in like you know, a big, you know, the big arenas in, like, Atlanta and, like, Charlotte and stuff like that. This was, like, in, like, the hickest towns, like, gymnasiums and stuff like that were literal, like, races. So we've talked about it in our A&E specials where we talk about, like, the gimmicks and people having to lean into their gimmicks. And Jim Cornette wanted... uh him and I think his name was Mustafa. Was his yeah, um, Mustafa? Yeah. Was and D'Lo Brown was also part of their group too. And they wanted them to be like these thugs and anti-white and saying all this like crazy stuff. And it had a point like one. Uh, at one point, New Jack he he would say like wow shit. He would say like you know, oh you know shout out to OJ. That's two less that we have to worry about. Um, and I would get the crowd riled up and at a point, like, so, I think something happened where he couldn't speak. So he went to uh, Walmart and got like a white baby doll and like put a noose around it 
and they took a bait like the group took a baseball bat like swatting it so that was a, you know he was a controversial character and you know i sent mike a video of paul Heyman, you know who was close with him uh when they were in ecw um or when they they worked with each other uh, worked for um paul Heyman, and he was very emotional and he said something he was like you know like new jack you can't show any videos on you know you can't give him a video tribute and it was interesting because i told mike i was like i'm I'm shocked like they even acknowledged his death because in the vlad interviews like vince mcmahon's an asshole and he he's he's this and he's that um but they still acknowledge it so i respect that and he was the embodiment of extreme like i got into ecw when i first came to new york uh, with my guard brothers, they introduced me to it because I think we, when we moved, I wanted to watch wrestling. And they showed, I guess they replayed the ECW show and it was on like anything I've seen because I'd never seen ECW. I'd only seen WCW and WWF at the time. And I got, you know, familiar with Rob Van Dam, Tommy Dreamer, Sam and Balls Mahoney, the Dudley Boys, and New Jack. So in ECW, you know, we talk about how, like, it had wrestlers where their characters were kind of, like, out there, but in real life, they were really, like, you know, docile and regular, like, dudes like me and you. But the ECW guys, like, those dudes were, like, extreme. Like, they literally were not people you wanted to mess with in real life. Like, you wouldn't want to get into a fist fight or anything like that. It was very, like, grassroots and um, very wild. And New Jack was, like, the embodiment of extreme. Like, I, n- I knew I would never see New Jack on WWE because mm-hmm. they would try to turn him, some- turn him into somebody that he wasn't or he would want to be something that, you know, they wouldn't allow him to be. It's like he's one of the guys who I think I might have said this. Uh, I said this to you at least that I was a little uneasy around like, wa- like watching. My soul was like, "All right, this guy's crazy." You know, New Jack. Up until he did the, pretty much the interviews from last year and like the Vlad thing. Prior to that, still I was kind of like, "This guy is not right." You know, I, I would like oh, his, the butcher. You know, like people like that. Uh, Sabu's his forehead. Uncle. His forehead looked like a half peeled potato. Like, <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, like we, we mentioned like Smoky Mountain Wrestling, just to put it in context, that was like uh, the month of the OJ verdict. So like that's like doing a thing like last year or something, very, very in a tense uh, time in like our society, but racially, like, you know, that's 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 how crazy it was, uh, you know, and then he did this in like the, the lion's den, but he did all this stuff in like in the deep south and stuff, uh, which was crazy. Um it was just, it was just, um, it was good to hear Paul and Heyman. Like, I'm glad you sent that to me because Shug, you sent me that uh, the video. Yeah, Paul I came Heyman. across it. Yeah, I didn't even watch it yet before I sent it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I sent it to you, then I watched it myself. Yeah, uh, and it was a nice tribute. Uh, Talking Smack apparently has a lot of great moments. It's like kind of a non storyline. Like they have a lot of good, just like uh, real moments. So this was another one. Um, but yeah. Uh, like you said, I started watching ECW too um, in 98, 99. I saw it on a whim too when I went to Philly or Pennsylvania area. I was able to watch it. And they show the clips, the wild clips of this guy, New Jack. 
And what was different about him, aside from the fact that his matches weren't really matches, it was just a crazy hardcore stuff, mm-hmm. but his the natural born killers played constantly throughout the match. That's the thing that stood out to me as a kid. Because ECW, just for the fact that they had like real music, I, mm-hmm. I was so into that. But New Jack, he had the song playing constantly. It was just chaos, blared to 11, the music. And it was just like guitars and like he's the guy who came out. You know, it's like goofy to see it, but he came out with the go- uh, with the shopping cart full of all the the weapons yeah, and the different objects. Now yeah. it's kind of like cliche, but back then he was coming. He did it. But that was his thing. And then other people started doing it. Uh, so he's always going to be remembered for that. And yeah. again, like you said, there's no clips of him. Uh, maybe he did a couple of dark matches in the early 90s. I heard I just heard that recently uh, earlier today, but uh, he's no uh, connection to WF, WWE. Everyone else pretty much. Uh, had a run in uh, with Vince McMahon at one point, uh, but not him. Uh, and again, I, he was heavily on my mind, which is weird on Thursday because of the episode of Dark Side. Um, so it was just weird because I, then I started looking up more stuff on Thursday. I was like, going to post more things. And because again, like, everything is wrestling centric when I post stuff on Instagram. Uh, so I was unfortunate. I mean, yeah. it sucks. Uh, yeah. I said it sucks. And he, had a, he had a rough life. Um, his father like stopped his mom. His mm-hmm. mom was apparently very promiscuous, and his dad died when he was like five years old. So he had to grow up with his mom. His mom having sex in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know, we don't want to get too much into it. We just want to pay respects to him. But if you ever want to know more about New Jack, you got a great DJ Vlad interview. Um, it's like an hour and ten minutes long. Covers a lot of stuff, and he's extremely candid. Uh, Vice. If you have Vice, you could go on the man. I think his Dark Starter Ring episode should be up because they usually have the past seasons up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's a really interesting watch because actually when it came out last year, it was like the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pandemic I, stuff. It was like the first time I thought of New Jack in like years. It was perfect timing too because uh, it was the first month of everyone like being home. Uh, Dark Side aired their second season it was like a week into everyone being like you know in lockdown so a lot of people that weren't wrestling fans or who were lapsed got back into it last year because of that document because of that series and because of like the uh, no fan era a lot of people started watching wrestling there which is kind of interesting yeah, I, still, I got the first two episodes i still gotta watch i have them on my thing and the dark side of football i have that recorded so i'm gonna check those out yeah dark side of the football uh Maybe one day we'll get into that too. It was about the wide receivers, so it was a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, RIP, RIP, New Jack. One last thing about New Jack. Um, because of that documentary, because they're so popular, uh, something happened where uh, he had a daughter and uh, she started wrestling like that around that time. And uh, that's one thing I'm not sure if they ever got reconnected. That was a that was a story that was happening within the last year. So that's kind of a uh, sad thing that they never really reconnected, but but uh, New Jack, uh, one of my favorites, ECW. Uh, I have a poster of ECW stuff here, and uh, rest in peace. And he made it. He made it pretty far, longer than others. After all the shit he did, you know. Mm-hmm. So RP New Jack. Speaking of which, well, I was also in White Plains, uh, same exact place uh, where I had the flashbacks of ECW. Uh, it's where the Westchester Knicks played. So they had the signs of the, the logo everywhere. Uh, so it had me thinking about uh, just the Knicks and, you know, sports in general. So, yeah, man, as you can see, I got my shirt on, Randall and RJ, the Broadway bullies. I got this from BK Madison's. 
You can check them out. BK Madison's uh, com. That's a great shirt. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about the Broadway uh, Bullies me last up. week. Remember Broad Street Bullies? It's Broad Street Bullies. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we, yeah, clinched, but... we clinched the first playoff. It, it's it's kind of crazy. It's like when it's, it's the Knicks, they could have clinched a playoff berth against the Lakers on national TV. Uh, but unfortunately, they lost the game. It was like very, I mean, like, and you know, I can't sign LeBron James, so it's extra annoying to be watching, like, you know, the Lakers pulling out, like, uh, you know, one point win or two point win against us, and In then overtime, seeing, Le- yeah. yeah, and then seeing LeBron like jockeying up and down the bench like a freaking cheerleader, and all of a sudden his ankle isn't as injured. Um, yeah, he will. He wasn't playing, but he was on the court half the time. You know, they had a yeah, camera yeah. on him the whole time. You know, it's like one of those annoying moments because, like, we have, you know, we haven't had the opportunity to really he's like, on national TV with the Lakers. And, and he's you know. like talking to the refs, and I'm like, I know, I know for sure, like that's any other team. Like one of your injured players is like talking to the refs about fouls, and you should be calling this and not like that dude would get like ejected or the the team would have like get a technical foul or stuff like that. But since it's LeBron, they let it fly. And it was a crucial moment. Remember that moment where um, uh, they did the jump ball because they challenged it? And uh, yeah. Derek, yeah, yeah, Rose was like, all right, no, get over there, get over there. So, like, he knew that, uh, uh, yeah, he was going to knock it over there. So, Rose was the first one to receive it, and it's an illegal thing. And LeBron was up on the court right away, like, telling the refs, like, no, 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 no. like, basic <laughs> stuff from like, the, from, like, the dusty old basketball. Oh, my God. Court. And then they had, like, a, um, it had a point, um, I think within the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, because I went into overtime. Sure enough. Anthony Davis, like, I guess he got whacked. Uh-huh. So he's there, like, holding the ball, like, tucking it, and, like, rubbing his eye, like, to show, like, he's in pain, right? And I swear, like, it, it took, like, five seconds. And then... Noel and Bullock started like they didn't know what to do. They was like, all right, well, if we like if we touch him, it's gonna be a foul, or whatever. So then they started swatting for the ball, and then they the ref like calls like the latest whistle I've ever seen because he was literally just standing there. And I was like, at this point, I, I knew like the game was gonna be some bullshit. And then you have the traveling violation. It's like all these crazy stuff. Like, I just give us opportunity to just get that one last shot off. That yeah. was the game overtime we had the opportunity but screwed that up and then it was like 20 something seconds left in overtime and that's where everything fell apart you know and then the knicks actually clinched on a day off which is like cool <laughs> yeah um so but it's all because they didn't get to celebrate together it would have been nice to you know celebrate and stuff like that but it, it gives them more you know um gives them more incentive to do well in the playoffs, but they won on virtue. They clinched on virtue of the Cleveland Cavaliers beating the Boston Celtics on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday they played the Spurs and that one was actually a game. They came out, they look kind of sloppy. They were down 16 in the third quarter, came back in the fourth quarter, won the game. It was such a satisfying win. And then just before we recorded today, today yeah. they played Charlotte and they won in overtime. But it was funny as hell because at the end of the game, 
uh, I forgot who it was on the, the, the Hornets, but he shoved like him and Alec Burks was going for the ball and Burks mm. like almost out of possession. And then he like basically like, you know, did a hockey board and pushed them out and we were in a bonus. So it should have been two shots and then game over. But they, they said they called it out of bounds on Burks. So then the Knicks had to go into defense mode and keep them from scoring, and they did, and it went into overtime. And it's interesting because Ben Stiller actually tweeted about it. It was like, that, that, that was the worst no-call ever. And I was like, it's interesting because a couple months ago when we were playing the Sixers, Tobias Harris and Julius Randle were, like, boxing out for a rebound, and Julius, like, shoved Tobias Harris. They were in a bonus. And they call that foul, even though Tobias Harris had no shot at getting the ball. Basically the same players today, but they gave him the foul, and he was able to hit two free throws to win that game. But, listen, we won 40 games out of 72, and the last time the Knicks have won 40 games was, like, in 20, I think the 2013 season, the 54-win season, because the year after that was the first year we didn't make it to the playoffs. And that year, I think we only won 37 games. So if you told us, like, at the beginning of the season, like, this team was going to win 40 games in a 72-win season, in a 72-game season, like, you know, we'd ask if you want drugs. But, you know, they've, they've really done their thing this year, and I'm, like, really proud of it. And it's interesting that the Knicks, like, the Knicks got me in this mode where I'm, like, you know, I usually know exactly who the Yankees are playing and then I wouldn't know who the Knicks are playing. I would just know, like, they're playing and just flip the channel to find out. And it's kind of switched. So I didn't – I had no idea who the Yankees were playing last night until, like, I turned to the game. And I was like, oh, we're playing the Orioles. No, see, I didn't watch the game today. And it's it's funny because I was getting my shot. Uh, so I had to rely on just a Twitter and Shug's account of the game. I heard that you said that they were sluggish and then they came back. And then at the end, though, they had to pull up the offense again. Uh, but the point of, of why I'm bringing why I'm bringing this up is because if they didn't have the play in, the play in mm-hmm. dynamic, just as Nick fan, not even as Nick fans, like it's way more exciting, more way more exciting for us as the fans, and then like ratings are going up. Um, so like like you say, like you didn't know who the Yankees were playing. I know like all like the the stems and branches of like all right, if the Celtics win, then they're in, and then the Hornets win. They're in. like I'm more invested in this play in thing. Uh, which would not be the case if they had just a regular plan for the lottery. You know, uh, that used to be the whole thing where people like were, uh, you know, uh, potentially losing, diving, and everything. Uh, which is, you know, just it's really fun. Uh, speaking of, we play, the Knicks play uh, Celtics tomorrow. They're done. They're they're clinched up and everything. Mm-hmm. But Charlotte, this was a meaningful game for them. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah, now tomorrow, uh, I'm gonna end up watching a Wizards and Charlotte game in May, like you know, the end of season. But whoever wins that gets the ace spot, right? Or some of that, or they get in. Yeah, so for the yeah. for the eighth seed, um, for the next day, in a perfect world, we want to get into the fourth seed, and that would mean hosting the first round of the playoffs. Mm. But we actually need help because we're in a logjam with Atlanta, who we actually have a tiebreaker over, um, and the Heat who have a tiebreaker over us. So tonight, if the Heat loses to Milwaukee, 
that's actually kind of up in the air because I think last I heard Jimmy Butler mm. is on their injury report for Miami. And then the other thing is like Milwaukee could possibly rest their players, but they actually have something to play for because I think if they win their last two games and Brooklyn splits, they move into the second spot in the East. But if they split, Brooklyn stays at number two and then they stay at three and then they would have to play either us or Atlanta. I mean, us or Miami. And Miami beat them in the playoffs last year. But I don't, I don't, I, I would, I would suggest, I would suspect that they want to win these games and move into that, try their best to move into our second spot because at the end of the day, like you anticipate going deep into the playoffs and you wouldn't want to go deep into the playoffs against Brooklyn mm. and not have home court advantage. So it'd be interesting. We'll keep our eye on that game tonight. I'm going to watch Knicks and Celtics tomorrow because we would need to win out. We need to win in order to move into our fourth spot. But and the season is tomorrow. The play-in games, they're going to be sometime this week. And then the actual playoffs, that's the funny thing about it, Mike. Like the playing game, the playing games are not part of the playoffs. Mm, yeah. The literal yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh that's to be next week. And uh because it, the next round the West Coast, I watched a lot of the games, you know, obviously at night. So I would watch the game and I would like work on stuff for the show, like edit stuff. And Yankee the Knicks, um they got me in that mode to watch games late. So I was watching uh, a lot of the other games and then Shaq was like, Oh, now that you explained how the plan works, I like it. I like it. Barkley explained it to me and he's an idiot. I didn't know I had no idea what it was about. But now that you explained it to me, I'm into the I'm, I'm into the play in. So yeah, that's what happened. It's fun. These games, they they actually yeah. like at this point in the season, like teams wouldn't really be playing for much. Like once you're in, you're in. But the now, fact, yeah. Like if you're seven and eight, you could be in jeopardy of not making a playoffs at all. If you're nine and ten, you could possibly make it in. And everybody says, like, oh, well, if you're like the eight seed or the seven seed, you're not expected to beat the top two teams in a conference. But, you know, if you really think about it, like injuries happen. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you match up better with that team. And you never know. We've seen eight seeds win playoff rounds. We've seen seven seeds win playoff Thanks. rounds. Yeah, so it, it's not on. It's 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 rare, but it's not uncommon. And I don't like. I've I've always explained it. Like I never enjoyed the idea of tanking because mm. I don't think any professional athlete goes into a game and is just like, oh well, I I, I plan to lose. We, we it benefits us to lose today, so let's lose. Like I've never seen that. Yeah, and like with a play-in, uh, this is what I was saying kind of earlier, where like you have the ratings, it's fun, you know, yeah, and we get more basketball, entertaining basketball, but also the younger players who would be playing garbage minutes and just like uh, the end of the season where they're purposely losing or not not putting in the effort that they should. Now you got these young guys who are going to have more meaningful time, mm-hmm. and they're playing playoff-like basketball, even though they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, they still have that that uh, experience, and then down the line. Uh, when you don't have to sacrifice an actual playoff birth, like like the learning experience isn't going to be in the actual playoffs. Your team's going to be more ready next time, which is great. Uh, 
I liked watching the little heat basketball with uh, Haslam, you know, four year old getting ejected. Oh my God. That was great. <laughs> you know, it's, against, you know, Dwight Howard. We, we're not big, big on Dwight Howard. It's, you know? it's funny as hell because some dude was, you know, with the whole Tebow thing, like he tried to say, like, oh, well, um, if you're mad at Tebow getting an opportunity with the Jaguars, or you're mad at your Donis Haslam still being on the heat. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I had to look up my tweets because I know I always talk about you, Dan, you, Haslam. Every time I find out like he's still playing, I thought he yeah. retired because remember he was like a three-year veteran when the the Heat won the finals in 2006. Yeah, so I'm like. So I'm like, if he's playing in 2021, like this guy's played in three different decades. You know, it's yeah, Carter played in four, but yeah. He's, he's played it three different decades. Shaq and Wade were like watching the highlights. They're like, Haslam, what the fuck? Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're like long gone. You know, Shaq has been retired 11 years and he was like, he's still playing. But yeah. Pat Riley was like clapping. He was, I feel like he was sent in there to like, to reinforce, like, all right, we're in the playoffs. Like, don't push us around. It was kind of like a hockey move, like a goon move. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Some, move, you know, you something need like that. that guy. You, you, you uh, need that guy. Like, what, what Bill, Bill, Bill Simmons calls them like the irrational, um, the the rational weirdo guy like you need mm. like the metal world piece and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the dennis robbins of the world like you jr yeah. smith like you need those guys um like you can't count on them to like do anything like significant on mm. a scoreboard but they'll like do something to frustrate the hell out of like the other team well, happy, happy happy birthday uh dennis robin just crossed the 60 uh 60 year old mark he was a 26 year old rookie that was crazy. We all know his backstory <laughs> on the last the last dance. Um, yeah. But speaking of getting older, um, and we're talking about the Nets too, uh, the old voice of the Knicks, and he went over to uh, Brooklyn, Marv Albert. He announced today that this is his last postseason and he's going to retire. Mm-hmm. So that's you know just a little tip of the tap, tip of the hat for him. I always liked his, uh, I always loved his voice. Uh, but of course now I'm more into Mike Breen. Yes, Mike Breen, Hall actually, Famer. Hall of Famer, Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, he's actually from my area. He went to the grammar school that was next to my grammar school over in Yonkers. Uh, Fordham, you know, I, I like FU. I'm a Fordham Ram uh, fan. Uh, so congrats to him and congrats to everyone else who was supposed to get inducted last year, 2020. You got the Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Tim Kobe. Duncan. So they got an opportunity to talk. Uh, Kobe Tim Duncan, Duncan yeah. fe- fellow Virgin Islander. There you go. I mean, that was a big year, 2020. Yeah, so Kobe had, uh, you know, his wife and daughter uh, took uh, accepted it. Um, uh, so MJ is putting them into night too. I yeah, yeah. Sure. I you know, that's you know, it's fun to watch. I mean, uh, sadly he's not there, obviously, but yep. you know, but yeah. So congrats to them. Um, I mentioned Mike Breen. The other voice of the Yankees is Michael K. Uh, the game is about to start. They won the series against Washington, and then Tampa, they won the first two games, dropped the third game. That was kind of like a blowout. They've been running into injuries and stuff, and they actually had a lot of COVID positive tests. Oh, yeah, that's what the that's the big news. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, I, Sorry, but, I'm a little uh, sleepy. And I, I got the shot. And they're 85%. Uh, vaccinated so people was making a law like oh that means the vaccines doesn't work and like my first reaction was like you people do realize like the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting 
COVID, what it does stop you from is having to be hospitalized. It stops you from dying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you can still get it. And it, it, it's actually, uh, um, I can't, you can't say it's a positive thing, but it's a um, blessing in disguise kind of because the fact that the Yankees are so highly vaccinated allowed them to be able to not miss any games. So it would be beneficial for a majority of the players in the league, the staff and the coaches and everyone to get vaccinated because if you end up getting positive tests and stuff like that, you wouldn't have to stop. Um, but this week they ended up they they ended up playing like really, really well. Um Glaber's one of the players that tested yeah, positive. Um so we'll be not seeing him for a while and we hope for the best with him and he recovers well as well as Phil Nevin and the coaches who tested positive. But they played they beat Tampa for the first time since twenty nineteen. Uh, the Tropicana field, I said it, it looks like a toilet bowl from the inside and out with the toilet bowl closed. Um, it's a, but as bad as the look looks, is as bad as it's been a place for the Yankees to play because they hadn't won until this past week. And they went in there and handled biz and Garrett, Garrett Cole, man, like he might be the most dominant like the Yankees have had a lot of good pitchers over the years. We've had Musina, Clemens, uh, Andy Pettit, David Wells, David Cohn, um, CC, Severino, Tanaka, all of these mm. guys, like they've been great, but I think this would be like the first time we've had like a dominant, like a dominant pitcher. Like this might be the, like, he's having probably like the most dominant Yankee season since like Ron Guidry in 1978 when Ron Guidry should have probably won MVP because he was so, so good. Uh, but, but he went in eight innings pitch, um, had like the Aroldis Chapman stare down and Aroldis Chapman. Oh my God. Like, like it's, it's, you know, like closers. It's like, Oh my God, can you get a runoff of him? Like what Aroldis Chapman this season, like he's added, um, forgot what pitch it is i think it's a splitter or something but he added a new pitch and it's like a big deal if you get a hit off of him that's how good he's been this year so it's it's nice they're starting to like turn the corner a little bit boston's actually uh, this, yeah. this is rare that you're gonna hear me say this but i gotta give boston a bunch of credit because they've been looking really really good this year um and weirdly we're not gonna see boston until uh, until like June, like the first week in June. So that's kind of weird. We've already played at all the other divisional teams. Actually, I think in July, there's a point where we have a four-game series in Boston and a four-game series here and then a series against like Tampa or Toronto in between. So we're going to play them like eight times in like 11 games. Yeah, like uh, Toronto's in third right now, right? Oh, that's another thing that I've been looking at this week. Uh, it's a lot of relocation and like expansion rumors going on. Uh, with the athletics, they announced that MLB was like, all right, go look around. With the athletics, they were like, um, they want that like $19 billion um, sports facility, multi, multi sports facility. And um, so that had me thinking, like, all right, so, oh, yeah, the athletics, they started out 
They're, they better be the athletics though. If they go to Vegas, they got to stay the athletics. Cause that franchise has been around since the 1800s, you know, I like yeah. the history of it. I'll, I'll probably put my money on, um, probably put my money on, um, going to, um, going to Vegas. Vegas is, is booming. They have an NHL team. They have the Raiders. They have a WNBA team. So it's definitely like a market for it. And I do remember like when I went to Vegas a couple of years ago, it was in August. It was actually in October, but I'm thinking like if you go to Vegas in like, you know, April or May or one of the summer months and stuff like that, like you could go to a game, mm. you know, that that's something like a, a tourist attraction and in, in of itself. And then like the Raiders, like they're going to have like these end zone, um, areas like in the end zone where it's like a party deck and mm-hmm. they're gonna have like a dj and stuff like that so it, it, they're leaning into it like yeah. I, I think that's the one way like i think before people was like very people were very against or the leagues were very against moving to vegas with like you know the gambling and the betting and stuff like that but now they're seeing like especially when with DraftKings and you know MLB, I think they have a partnership with like MGM um, Grand. Like a lot of these, they're, they're starting to embrace that part. So I'm thinking like now, like they're starting to see the benefit in having teams. Yeah, like with FanDuel, aren't the next sponsored by FanDuel? Like on the court, I think I see the FanDuel logo or something. They like that. are, but and then you, but you can't, <laughs> you can't gamble. Yeah. It's funny. Weird. And that's weird. But yeah, Vegas is a spot. Now they'll have 365. They'll have every sport, you know, um, boxing and all that MMA, AEW. They go there a lot. Uh, they should be there in September probably because they announced that they're going to be full capacity now starting uh, in two weeks. At um, Their pay-per-view is uh, May 30th, Memorial Day weekend. And they're going to have over 5,000 people in. But it's an outdoor venue, so that's nothing too crazy. But yeah, I mean, we mentioned earlier, I think we we're talking, we talked about Tebow. Uh, with uh, Haslam like giving him a shot, uh, I, I have a feeling that during the summer, because uh, I think this whole Tebow thing is kind of just like a media thing, you know, just like to get uh, attention. I guarantee you, Tebow is going to be with AEW during the summer at some <laughs> point, because like the Jacksonville Jaguars own, uh, or the the owners of Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars they also own AEW. Yeah, and uh, they're both similar mindsets in some ways. So. Uh, now Tim Tebow will be uh, all over my wrestling TV now too, which is whatever. But yeah, whatever. Next week there'll be um, NBA playoffs. We'll see how the playing games shook out. Uh, do remember, like, um, I think the Lakers have to win out the one their last two games, and the Blazers would have to split for the Lakers to get out of the playing game so but if they stay in the playing game like we're talking about um john morant lebron anthony davis stephen curry um it should be like a star-studded um you got russell westbrook in the east mm. so it's gonna be like like the playing games like that was the big thing it was like all right like you're gonna have all of these like nine and tenth place teams seven and eight teams and it's, it's not going to be, like, good teams. Or it's going to be teams without superstars and stuff like that. But it's going to be a star-studded affair. So let's keep that in mind. Um, and another thing I have to point out, 
this guy, R.J. Barrett, Yardman from Canada, Rowan Barrett Jr. He was called the consolation, the consolation prize because the Knicks lost out on Zion mm -hmm. and the Knicks lost out on the second overall pick, John Morant. And he's the first one out of those three people to qualify for the playoffs. I mean, well, he, he is the first because even if, like, John Morant and the Grizzlies win this week, Barrett did it on Thursday or Wednesday. So mm. he'll be the first out of those three. And he has a promising future. Everybody makes it seem like he's he's like a bum. But he's a really good player. I enjoy watching him. I'm glad he's a Nick. I hope, you know, he keeps getting better and better. There's a lot of things he could work on. Um and that's the thing with the Knicks. I think, like, these two guys, they show a lot of work ethic. I think a lot of guys on the team, they're showing a lot of work ethic. There is a rumor. I mean, not so much a rumor, but mm. Thibodeau has said that um, Mitchell Robinson is progressing towards, um, you know, possibly um, five-on-five -five drills and, and stuff like that. So he's out he's still like a far along ways away, but you know, from what it's sounding like, depending on how, how he progresses, like the Knicks are gonna be off after tomorrow until next Saturday or Sunday. So that's a whole nother week he's gonna gain of rehab. Who knows if the Knicks probably make it to the second round of the playoffs, we could possibly see. Mitchell Robinson, but also at the same time, he's a young player. So I wouldn't be mad if they just said, you know, even though he's healthy, let's play it safe. We still have a lot of time. Let's just, um, you know, move things slowly. But that's been sports. Uh, we got a whole lot of other stuff, been um, a, a whole lot of stuff to, to talk about in this episode. That was very uh, uh, local news anchor. That's it. Let's kick it to, let's kick it to weather. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, uh, we, you know, later on we're going to talk about uh, you know Booker T, like our continuing uh, series talking about the WWE's legends uh, airing on A and E. Uh, as we as we're talking recording now, there's like a lot of stuff on Twitter about a situation out in the Middle East uh, between uh, you know in Israel. Uh, earlier in the week, I was following this very closely, and then. Uh, we decided that we were going to talk about it a little bit. And then today there's like up, up, you know, more breaking news things going on. I uh, shook. I know you wanted to have, you had something to say about the situation. If you want to, you know, like the Palestine, um, Israel conflict, it's obviously been a long, um, it's, it's, it's a long history towards it. And I think a lot of it gets, you know, kind of, um, it kind of gets, compacted into basically oh it's like muslims versus jews and fighting over holy land and stuff like that but you know it's something i try to stay away from i don't i didn't know too much about it but it's it's becoming something you have to speak on because i think if you speak on it it doesn't mean that you're anti-semitic or anti-israel it just means that you're pro humanity and last i checked 122 Palestinians were killed and and 31 of those 122 were children. Uh and the the Israel the Israeli defense defensive forces claims that 15 were 
Hamas, which is the um, Palestinian like resistance force. No. It's Hamas. It's like the, their 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 resistance. Uh, yeah. 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 So when you're talking about you know you killed more children than you killed of like the people you were trying to kill, it's like you're being kind of um haphazardous and reckless. And today, a building that was housing the Associated Press out there and Al Jazeera was bombed. Mike? Yeah, that's what I heard uh, today, uh, which, you know, which is scary because media is supposed to be safe in these areas. So we could uh, find out what's going on. Uh, impartial force in a situation. Uh, We've, we're, you know, in our lifetime, we've, we grew up pretty much in our adolescence watching uh, Middle East news with uh, correspondents and uh, all the wars that America is involved in, right? You know, uh, so it's something that we're used to. Uh, we're not really used to like um, people, them being not targeted, but more, more so uh, c casualties and um, than, than not, which is kind of uh, worrisome. And I'm, I'm coming from an objective point of view, just, just because uh, we need to know what's going on there, and because it, it also is connected to us as American citizens, and because the world, the world scheme, the world of thing is way different than us talking about local things, and then as a, as a country, and then you have the whole global thing. We're responsible for a lot of things that happen there. Um, it's a very complicated situation, you know. Yeah, um, and I had a point too. Like Israeli police forces, they stormed a mosque, and I think that was earlier on in in it. It's Ramadan too. Yeah, and part of the order, the one, the one of the initial um, incidents was that four families of Palestinian descent were basically like uh, told that they had to leave their homes in, um, I, I believe, Israel. And here's the crazy thing about it. Like, I, I just found this out in, like, reading about it. That, like, Jerusalem is actually claimed by both Israel and Palestine as the capital. Um, and the history of Israel is that after World War II, Israel was, like, claimed. Like, this whole land, you know, where Palestine and Israel is now, I guess, like, before, I think it was all Palestinian land. It was, well, it was British like Brit, like everything else, they were they were like colon they colonized like the whole world. Obviously, we know that like Britain, mm -hmm. they had they had uh, possession of the land, uh, the Palestine, and then uh, after World War Two, you know, uh, the the mandate was uh, to use that land uh, for refugees that left areas during World War Two of Jewish descent. They could have their own state. Yeah, so that's, as that's well like as the, like other like immigrant. Jewish like refugees from along the world, uh, from all around the world who were like displaced. It was your place. I think that's why they have like the birthright thing, like where you're just, you know, allowed to move there if you wish. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're granted citizens citizenship as long if you're of Jewish heritage. Um, but the thing about it is that it started off if you look at a map of where. Israel or what was Israel land in like 1947 or the 1940s when the, the, they were first like founded, like it would be little like specks on a map. But then if you look at like a map, like from 1967 on, it's just kept on growing and growing. 
and it's kind of like manifest destiny here in America where like, you know, America kept on spreading from East to West. Um, and kind of taking the line of, you know, the indigenous people, that's somewhat the reason, um, Israel has expanded to this, you know, to the level that it is now, cause it's been like colonized and it's kind of been like colonizing by, um, force. A matter of fact, I think like the, the term I've, I've read in like the research is belligerent colonization. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the, the, the for me, that's where I, f I find it difficult because, uh, I can compare it to like the 1800s and like the early 1900s in America. Like a lot of it was through force because, um, like, like, like in the sixties, the six day war, the land that was, uh, gained was during war. Mm -hmm. Uh, that same with like in the, like in the West, a lot of it was like battles and stuff, uh, with like native Americans and stuff. And then at the same time, they also had like, um, in America, cause I, I love American history. So th this is how I'm going to uh, talk about it. There was like treaties and, uh, things like that, that were signed, you know? So it has so much like similarities to that now, but we're living in it now. And it's like, it's like happening today. Uh, so that's, that's, that's how I, I look at it because, um, yeah. it's our history and we're also connected to Israel so we can, you know, and it's, um, I've been on Twitter and stuff like that. And I, you know, obviously to go into it, you gotta do a lot of research and, you know, one of the things that I found in like, you know, I find like these little like layman, you know, where people was like explaining the whole situation in like layman's terms. And I was saying like one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that, you know, places like America, like they support Israel in these, in this conflict, I've actually been like funding them is that America, as me and Mike just said, it kind of was founded the same way. So for America to turn on Israel or turn around and tell Israel like what they're doing is wrong it would cause America to like look back on their own history. Uh, speaking of history, check out mm -hmm. my, uh, check uh, out yes. our video on YouTube that we just put out about um, the 1776 commission. Mm -hmm. And um, 1776 commission and the 1619 project where we're um, talking about that stuff. Uh, but I feel, yeah, yeah like, uh, like, uh, please watch that, you know, watch the video and everything. Cause I think, uh, Shook, uh, you love talking about sports, you know, uh, you know, me and you talk about that, you know, we talk about wrestling and stuff, but I think history is something that me and you really, really, uh, uh, care about. And that's like almost as important as like, a lot of the sports stuff we talk about. And of course, like what we're talking about now, like, uh, it's a lot of opinion based and we don't have all the facts and all this, you know, statistics and stuff, but, uh, I think we all should have an opportunity to like, you know, talk it out and, you know, as, as we have been doing and we'll continue to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it's like one of them things I didn't want to touch it. And like, I've noticed like over the past couple of years, like I re like the one thing I do remember is, um, Marcus Lamont Hill, who was a CNN contributor. Like he got suspended from CNN for like, you know, support in Palestine. Um, and it's just interesting, like, you know, a lot of the things, I, I, I don't think, you know, rightly calling out stuff 
makes you wrong. Like, I think anytime you could look at a piece of paper and say, like, yeah, like, 31 children were killed in, like, these bombings, and they, and I think, um, not Yahoo, if I'm saying it right, I don't know. Mm, yeah, yeah. He, he said, like, they're still, they, they're gonna keep doing it. Um, and it's just sad, because you've seen a lot of, like, videos and stuff with children in the streets crying. I think I've seen one video of, like, a baby being pulled from rubble, and these kind of, I don't know how you could, I don't, I don't know how you justify that stuff like it's like you know if, if you looked at a like if you were a person up north and you were talking to a person from like the Jim Crow South in like 1921 and you say to them like listen like uh like this is this um or you showed them like the picture of like uh Emmett Till and it's like listen like you know like do you think there's any justification for a boy for the, the type of things that happened to this boy for, for it to happen. And that person saying, well, listen, he whistled out this white woman. You just can't do that. Like, you know, that's how it is. That's, that's how we live down there. Black people got to stay in their place. It's, you know, the point is like, there's no, there's no, um, there's no defense for it. So hopefully things worked out, works out. And we could, you know, it, it reaches like a peaceful conclusion. Um, I'm optimistic towards that, but bleakly optimistic. Well, what you just brought up with, uh, like, say, Jim Jim Crow South and like, let's say someone in New York, like, well, that's that's the way it is down there. That's literally how people are talking about it now. So it makes sense. That's that's what uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Like looking at history like that, like. I can't believe those people, they, how they did that. Like talking about World War II, oh, I can't believe that. Like we're living in something now that we can talk about. And uh, there's a lot of correlations between how people are thinking like, well, you know, that's, that's, that's how it is over there. Uh, I brought up how in our adolescence growing up throughout like high school and college, like we were having, you know, Middle East with, you know, the U.S. involvement in the Middle East and uh, even Obama's second term, like there was so much like, uh, uh, drone attacks like where they showed video of like places where children were dead on the street like i saw that and it was under my name but it was like they did they were there as as an american citizen i'm i have i'm really you know they were there for me you know so that's that's how i feel like i can talk about it but um yeah you told me about earlier in the week you mentioned that i know it's always a touchy subject where it shouldn't be because it's reality, and it's like you know. Yeah, and then they they I, drag know. they dragged um freaking they they dragged Gal Gadot, you know, Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. Because like it was a couple years ago, like she's she's been like probably like the most like tone deaf person between like the when they when they had like a whole her and like a whole bunch of celebs like singing, like, yeah. singing um um the John Lennon song. Yeah, imagine. Imagine, and then it was like a couple years ago. Like I think they bombed like a soccer field in Palestine that killed kids again. And then in Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which I reviewed. If you want to go back and listen to that, there was a scene where she saves two kids from a truck falling on them in like Egypt. So it was kind of like toned up there. 
but she put a she put like a Facebook or she put an Instagram post and it was basically like all I want is like peace in Israel and my homeland and for my family and da 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 da. Oh yeah, and our our neighbor our neighbors too. Like yeah, like it, it came off as that like. I don't know. I mean, like, she's an Israeli, so it's kind of, like, hard for you. Like, I don't know if it's, like, difficult for you to really, like, open your eyes and, you know, I guess maybe if she speaks out against it, like, she'll, you know, you know, bring shame to her family or might not be as welcome back in Israel as, you know, she's been. But sometimes, I don't know, silence is probably, like, the best, best way to go about things. Well, I like that. I I don't. I want to talk about it because you're not supposed to talk about it. You know, I like. To, I'm talking about that. You know, like how people are. Well, you can say this, but you can't say this. Like the rules of like this situation. Uh, our old buddy Andrew Yang felt this right away in the beginning <laughs> of the week. Right away. Um, so that was a, then like the whole Twitter. I know there's algorithms, but my thing was just completely that. You know, just that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it was the same as Gal Gadot, whatever. Well, she was a. Um, everyone serves in Israel, but also. Um, what was she like the uh, Miss Universe, Miss uh, Israel, and then Miss Universe or something like that? So she was a, you know, public figure. You know, she's she's defending. Yeah, the- that and then <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I I I I I think that every adult in Israel, like you have to serve in like the yeah, military yeah. for like two That's years I mean. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. she's been in the Israeli military, so. Yeah, so she, I don't want to say too much about her because she can kick my ass, you know, with that Kyle McGraw, Kyle McGraw or whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm like Charlie Day. Uh, sometimes the words don't come out so, you know, so good. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like, you know, I'm glad you know, we're talking about it um, because I, I, that's, that's, that's what the show's about. Uh, there's another thing that happened that I didn't want to talk about because I didn't want to come off like I'm like a trashy, like tabloid, gossipy BS. Uh, but the way I'm going to come, let, hear me out, let me explain it. Uh-huh. Okay, so uh, well, like one of my favorite comedians, uh, I've related to a lot of his work. Um, it was like John Mulaney. Okay, we have some kind of similar backgrounds and stuff like that, and he touched on a lot of things that was sensitive to me, and I had personal things too with uh, a lot of like substance stuff. It, you know, eventually I'll get more into it, but I have a lot of I have a background in that, like things, personal stuff, and so I always related and laughed. Like he had one bit where this is where he grabbed me it was like almost a decade ago uh he was saying i used to you know um this is his line he was like uh i stopped drinking and doing drugs whatever when uh if if my life was a story i would stop rooting for me i was like, oh shit that's deep you Mm -hmm. know like he's not the he's not the i'm not rooting for you anymore like that type of behavior and then he had one where like uh you know when i when i used to go out and i would come home uh, that was fun because I'd wake up and I got to play detective, you know, like, you know, and in his wallet, he had more money than when he left. And it was like a funny take on, you know, a serious situation. So about six months ago, um, you know, like quietly on Twitter, and it was announced that he was entering uh, like a substance abuse uh, rehab facility. And I was like, all right, good, you know, but there was people on underneath it, like in the, in the tweets saying like, oh, he's going there for a reason. Or um, it was like a me too type thing. This they were saying. And I was like, whatever. And so, um, so I, you know, again, I, I was watching it quite, you know, I was like, I was invested in this because uh, I appreciated his work and uh, I have like a personal connection to it. And then you know, that went on for like, you know, a couple months. And then what you normally do is like you do outpatient and everything. 
So that's where he was at. But then two weeks ago, they announced that he was going back uh, doing gigs in New York. And I was like, oh, you know, oh, I won't have my, I was actually looking up to see if I get tickets. And um, I wouldn't have had the shot because I got the shot today, but I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to have gone because it was, it was like week prior. Uh, so he did a bunch of shows in New York and like the Northeast area. And it was called starting from scratch or from scratch. And it was a picture of him. And I was like, all right, you know, I saw, I see the motif is like, he, he just got out, you know, it's been 20 years since he started his first stint with recovery. And I got the theme. Uh, all right. And then it was announced. Um, it said that he was, you know, him and his wife are getting divorced. And again, I didn't want to talk about it. I was, all right, it's personal stuff. I don't, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then on Twitter, uh, it became this whole conversation of, again, I'll ask you Shug in a moment, but the whole conversation was people saying, um, oh, I can't believe it. I was like, my life is devastated now. Cause like people like, were like jokingly, but also serious, like invested in this relationship because this whole routine was his marriage and how he was like in recovery. So these are the two things that you're talking about in here. So it's like, is it, is it off limits or whatever to talk about if you're a fan? So then I'm like, all right, maybe I will talk about it. Cause that's a, that's a topic. Uh, I thought maybe it already happened before they went in, before he went in. They just announced it now, but apparently it did just happen this month, this last couple of weeks. Uh, so his wife said, oh, I'm heartbroken that we, um, that he decided to end the marriage. Okay. And I was like, all right, all right. And then they said that he was dating Olivia Munn. Mm-hmm. So that's where things went. Well, the next degree, it was like so many different layers. And I was like, all right, fine. Um, cause when you're in that, in, when you're in recovery, you're not supposed to end or start relationships. You're not supposed to like do anything big. And this is like a drastic thing, you know, but again, it's a, it's a celebrity world, but I don't know, just talking from like a personal thing where you're not supposed to do anything. You're not supposed to like shake your, your relationships so much so soon. And, uh, so again, uh, that's just, that's just the background. And they said, oh, they met at church. Um, so everyone was joking because one of his bits was that he, um, he doesn't go to church. He doesn't like church. And he, he, he had, he came back from, he came from a Catholic background. So that's another thing I, I, uh, connected with his humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people are like, uh, and obviously, you know, you're in recovery. There's a different type of church you can go to. And, you know, so people, I thought, Oh, maybe he met, uh, her. And then, no, but then there's like a whole history. So I rambled just the backstory of why I thought we could talk about it. Shug, uh, what do you think about this? Like, if you have anything? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm a, uh, I'm not too huge on his, um, his, his stand up, and I do know, like, he's written for SNL, on um, past couple years. One of my favorite, Stefan. Stefan, yes, <laughs> uh, Bill Hader. Yeah, I uh, like that. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure, like, I haven't watched SNL regularly in years, as I stated like a couple of weeks ago that like. The Eddie Murphy episode was like the last one. I mean, not even mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. This was last week when we were talking about um Elon Musk a little bit. Mm-hmm. I hadn't watched it in a while, but I do believe like he was a big writer like on there. Like the last time I was like really, really like into it. Yeah, that era. Mm-hmm. But I am a big fan of the show Big Mouth, which he um voices um the one of the main characters on there name escaping me the character but you you know who i'm talking about if you watch the show so i really love that show i highly anticipate it but you know we're gonna talk about something and like i know 
like if you listen to this it's like what i'm gonna say is gonna be like oh like you guys are just like woman bashing blah 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 blah. listen i'm person bashing i don't like if a dude was as toxic as i believe olivia mon is i would call his shit out too and the reason why i say she's toxic is you know this man just got out of rehab like Mike said, usually when you leave rehab, they tell you not to form any type of like attachments or stuff like that. I think we talked about it too when we were talking mm-hmm. about the Euphoria episode. Oh, yeah. Um, True. About Rue, where it's like, you know, you shouldn't have any attachments because you yourself, like, you're not, you're like, you, at this point, you're um, fragile and you need to take yourself. You, you need to take care of yourself and keep yourself together so that so forming some time of like some type of entanglement with somebody else like it, it's not um it's it, it's not um healthy to the to the process it's, it's not healthy it's very like unhealthy to the process so you had that situation there with with him now where you know i don't know how long his wife was married did they have kids seven. oh that, well, that's that okay so it was seven years and the jokes that he would talk about uh he was like my wife said i'm allowed to make fun of her so then they would talk about personal things through his through his, his thing uh no kids they didn't want kids um like one of the most famous bits was uh when they were looking for an apartment the lady would be like you know this is could be like a laundry room or you know a nursery or that and then he kept saying no kids we don't want kids like that so that was kind of like a thing i know about through his work so that's another reason why yeah I so you're talking about a person i left a you know significant relationship not just a long-term relationship but a significant relationship mm. you're married to this person um obviously like she was very involved in his creative process whether that is you know influencing the the material or even if she helped them write the material who knows so it was it was that type of relationship and he's coming off of um you know trying to recover from whatever addiction that he had and then you think of like another relationship she was in with Aaron Rodgers where it's like because this man he's having a difficulty with his family and there's a wedge there and for whatever reason she came in and it's you know what it what it was publicized uh, how it was publicized was he already had this kind of like a strange relationship with his family and then she came into the situation and it made that divide even even worse so my thing is it's like if you're a lover your money like why are you putting yourself in these situations where like you're dating these guys that um basically have a lot of like like a lot of baggage going on and I'm like I don't even think like you're helping I think that's the point I'm trying to get to yeah and another reason why I was kind of iffy on like if I wanted if I wanted to bring it up uh it felt very very like grocery store tabloid people magazine you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Like, so then on Twitter, I'm seeing a lot of people that normally would mock someone who was into that type of gossip news. But since it's this individual and and this couple that have been uh, shown uh, through the guy's work, like 
most, the best comedians and stand-up comedians talk about reality. You know, um, they're very personal. Like Richard Pryde, the greatest work, he talks about setting himself on fire for Christ's sake. You know, so like uh, people are attached to people. Are like, why are you talking about this guy's life? You know, like you're a weirdo. You know, like you don't even know this person. And um, but people are like, oh well, the whole his whole uh, material was something that's personal, like their relationship and stuff. And somebody else started talking about how, oh, it's because of, uh, especially now, which is another thing, especially now, like in, in this, uh, you know, people like lockdown and stuff like that, because not everyone has been in a room the whole, you know, just another thing. But they're like, you just sit there all day and you're listening to podcasts. And these podcasts are very banter, casual uh, banter style. And like people like that have these type of shows now and you feel so much, so connected to them. You feel like you actually do know them and you're part mm -hmm. of their you have a, your opinion like your opinion does matter now so that's another thing someone brought up and that was interesting and i was like yeah i mean that it is true uh podcasts are very very comfortable like you listen to in very intimate moments uh it's just audio sometimes so like if you feel like you're in a conversation uh, so that's another thing that came up and i think um so like the thing i want to ask you real quick is the way this is being talked about and discussed in social media uh, is from an acad academic ad academia because like a lot of these people are like uh, like liberal elitists like you know they went to like ivy leagues and they're like kind of break breaking this down like it's Harvard business journal yeah like they're like you know like but it's but in the, and the way they're doing it is like still looking down on people that are just into like the gossip mags like how we how growing up you'd always see the gossip mags mm -hmm. and i just you know how I, mean, I obviously maybe I, I have a bias against like a lot of those like liberal type things you know you know you know that that like that hipster style mm -hmm. that's how i see it being like how, being discussed on social media we're like no we have a right to talk about this because here is why i have the right and it's a whole long essay of like toxic toxic relationships men like they're talking about it through the lens of like academia um so that's why i decided to bring it up is it weird that like uh that people are talking about this because like they don't know the person again it's like a celebrity and usually they would be above this i'm doing the air quotes mm -hmm. but they're, they're treating this like kind of like um like a kardashian style like news you know you think it's like i'm blowing you outside because i don't buy into that i don't buy into that shit oh like you, you shouldn't talk about this about them and da -da 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 and about their life like you're a public figure like it's just gonna be like you're going to be talked about like if you don't want to be talked about like become a vet like how many uh i actually like you know buzzfeed is my site <laughs> that's your <laughs> my, my love my love my guilty pleasure my love hate site like i had an article a couple um like a couple of days ago and it was like people who um left stardom or left like you know the entertainment business and just got like regular ass jobs mm, yeah like so that's like my thing it's like all right if you don't want anybody to know about your damn life like you know become a freaking registered nurse or like uh um manage like a chipotle or something like don't be an entertainer like because i think you, like the reason i say that is and i'm not like it, it might come off as like insensitive but the reason I say that is because I think with anything, you kind of got like the same way, like you go to your job every day and you probably put up with a bunch of shit. But at the end of the week, you do get paid. Sometimes you feel like it ain't enough. And a lot of times it ain't. Um, But you put up with a lot of shit at work. But at the end of the week, like 
you know, it doesn't stop your direct deposit from hitting. So you kind of got the good comes with the bad. So I think with like these celebrities, it's like you're on TV, you have the opportunity to share your art and your ideas and your passions and stuff with people. And, you know, like he comes out with Big Mouth every year, him and Nick Crow. And I'm entertained by it and I love it. But at the same time, it, it leaves you open. You also got to take with that idea. You, you also have to take with that the fact that, all right, like People Magazine is going to talk about you. Or when you go into rehab, your, um, your name's going to be trending because you went to rehab. And your name's going to be trending with Olivia Munn because you with Olivia Munn. That's just like the way it goes. But going back to the thing with like Olivia Munn too, like I just thought of it while I, while you were talking. Like Olivia Munn, like how she approaches things. I'm like, she kind of reminds me of like, you know, every year there's every year there's always like that one pitcher on your team, like the one reliever where you know, like when he comes in the game, it's like, oh boy, like it's it's gonna go out of hand. Like she's not like like he's not the person for this like particular situation. That's the kind of thing I'm saying with like Olivia Munn. It's like, why not pick like a less like baggage having like dude to date? Why do you gravitate towards guys that have all this shit going on in their life? Yeah. And because of this, I had me going down the, the rabbit hole of like when the, the things that I, the, the websites that I were looking at went from like highbrow then all the way down to the lowest you know like gossipy things i was like oh shit when it was like no more article it was just photos i was like oh shit i went too far <laughs> no but they were saying they were saying like in like, 10 years ago before uh, or right before aaron Rodgers, like she had a thing where she said like i don't believe in marriage i'm a, i'm independent i don't need anyone but it seems that like she like is fucking up other someone who did believe in marriage whatever you fucking that up you know because if you don't believe it in it the the idea of it you're, you're you're with guys who were married or yeah, something like I'm, that. I don't feel at some point doesn't it like start to take a toll on you that like every guy you start to date now like everybody's looking at you like you're like the this toxic person and I like Olivia Munn seems like a cool chick by all counts like I remember watching her on um G4. Attack of the Show yeah, yeah on G four and. She seems cool, like fun and, and stuff like that. And she's beautiful. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I think there's an area where like you, there's guys you could date that, you know, no people, you're not. And again, it goes back into the, to, to what we're talking about where it's like, you know, do we as fans have the right to be, have an opinion on these people? I mean, I think if, and it goes with what I'm saying, I like, you know, if you're a celebrity, that's the life you live. Like, people are going to be in your shit. So I think there's people like, you know, she, like, certain individuals. I don't know if she's, like, you know, one of them women that also dates women. But if she is, there's guys and there's girls that you could date that, you know, probably people won't talk about you as much as if you're with John Mulaney or uh, Aaron Rodgers. And if I was making a living talking about things, uh, the way some people extend into that territory of, oh, you're not allowed to talk about this person is through talking about things they see every day or see things in the news. So mm-hmm. when does that threshold, when does that change where you're like, oh, now you're off limits or 
when do you go from the the observer to the one being observed? Like, and then you're in this different. That's another thing that that had me, that, that I was thinking about because now they're in this. You go to this plateau where, or this uh, echelon, you know, go to another level where now people are using you as fodder to talk about to maybe rise themselves. You know, it's like a really weird thing. I mean, like I think there's always like this old saying, like there's gonna be every room there's gonna be ten people in, like. Four of them are gonna. Four of them are gonna like you. Four of them are gonna like you. Four of them are gonna hate you, and two people probably don't give a shit about you. So I'd focus on the people that like me, and I'd focus on those two people that don't care about me to convince them to like me and try to keep them from joining the four people that don't like me. Did you just come up with that now? Yeah. That was good. That was beautiful. Uh, but yeah, I mean. There's other gossipy things we could talk about. Like they they were friends for a long time, and I'm not gonna get into that. I just wanted to talk to Shug about. I wanted to talk to you about this. Uh, the again, because it, it reminded me also of our previous topic of mm-hmm. what what can you talk about, what can you talk about. Um, so I was coming from. I had to give the context of why we we're talking about it with all the gossipy uh, off the stage things. Um, but yeah, I mean, again. Tomorrow there might be another thing, and this might be outdated by the time we air this. Uh, but the idea of what you can and can't talk about, or uh, just that idea of boundaries between, like we talk about wrestling a lot, like the the, the gate. I mean the uh, the aisle, like the, uh, uh, the well, like in a football, anything, any type of arena, like the where you're on stage and then the audience. Where the blurring of that is getting more and more. So. And uh, that's never going to change. But I just wanted to mention, I'm using Millennia as an example. And uh, I'm still a fan of him. You know, like, that, there's crazy shit going on. Because um, he's one of my favorites. And uh, the whole the substance abuse thing, he was very candid about it. Uh, he found humor in something that was dark, uh, which is what I'm all about. And so let's hopefully this doesn't just get him into the whole, like, for no reason at all, just because of people on social media saying like, oh, he he ended a marriage, like he's toxic, you know, he's bad, he's a cheater, because who knows if mm. this is, you know what I mean? But like, let's not, everything just become black and white, like, like oh no, now I got to cancel this. I know our episode is called CC, and it's in, in the great CC, but let's not cancel culture. I don't, I don't want us to get canceled for talking about this, you know, so. Yeah, speaking of all toxic relationships. The suspense, hey. the suspense, you, you're, woman to woman. All right, the suspense is killing me. Okay. I've been I've been dancing around this topic. What is this topic? Because uh, you're gonna you're gonna blindside me now. So I was when I was cooking last night. I like to listen to like old uh, or I like to listen to music when I cook. So there's a song from a guy um Partisan Fontaine, and it features Cardi B, and it's called Backing It Up. Yeah. So in like the first verse of the song, like he's kind of like spitting his game to like a girl, um. Telling her basically, like, I'm saying all of this stuff, but I could back it up. So at one point, he says, like, you know, like, he, he's kind of referencing the fact that, like, the girl, like, she's good enough to get any man she wants, that she doesn't need to be, like, a side chick. Mm. So he, he brings up this this term. He, he says, you don't need no other bitch coming to you as a woman. And it got me to thinking about like this song from like the seventies called "Woman to Woman" by Shirley Brown, where it's like 
she's like the wife and she goes through like her husband's like wallet or whatever and finds like this woman's number so she calls the woman mm-hmm. and says to the woman and basically the whole song is um she's like all right put yourself in my position would you want some other woman you know breaking up your happy home and so and it's from the 70s mm-hmm. so it's from that time where you know in marriages or relationships you kind of just let things go rather than you know because in today's day you'd be like all right your husband's cheating on you like divorce you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so she's you know she's talking to the side piece and in today's day it's usually like the side piece coming to like the coming to the, the main girl like listen like you know i don't know if you know but like your man's been messing with me and she may or may not know about her you know about you know that the, the the guy in question is um messing with you know or she they're in a relationship because guys they do that like they'll you know like i ain't seen nobody like i ain't got no girl that uh, in reality they got like a whole like family of four yeah um so it got me to thinking i posted like as soon as i I heard that i was like like women really do be coming to each other like that because i actually remember like i had a situation at college like one of my friends like that situation happened where his like a girl he was messing with and another girl he was messing with like the girl went to like the other girls like just blew up his whole shit um so it got me thinking of that. And I was like, you know, it's always like, that's how girls do it. That, that's how they come woman to woman. I was like, guys, I couldn't imagine like a guy, like, you know, the side dude going to like the main dude, like, listen, bro, I'm coming to you as a man. Like your girl been, <laughs> me and your girl been messing, blah, 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 blah. And it got me thinking, to, um, Mike, you seen Soul Food before? Uh, back then when it came out. All right. In the 90s. So... You know, it had the character um, Bird, who was played by Nia Long, who was like the youngest mm. sister in the family. And she, the opening of the movie is her wedding to this guy, Lem, who was played by Makai Pfeiffer. And he, knew that. and he got, um, he was recently paroled. So while he was paroled, he had a hard time finding a job. So Bird like reached out to one of her ex boyfriends to like get a um to help him get a job, and so she didn't tell him that she went to her ex boyfriend whose name was Kenny um to get him this job. He just thought like this job called him and hired him because he interviewed and he applied and interviewed and got the job when in reality it was her, his wife's ex-boyfriend that got the job. So then he kind of comes to the, um, he comes to him while he's like on his lunch hour, on his lunch break. And he's sitting there and he's like talking to him. And the whole time, like he, he like soon as the guy says like, Oh, I talked to bird and she told me you need to help, blah, 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 blah. He kind of like tuned some out. And all he could think about was that like his girl would probably like, he, he, he was jealous because in his head, he think he's thinking that she slept with him in order to get him a job. Mm. 
So I posted like this meme and I think like, I don't know if it went over people's head or it just wasn't as funny as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, I had the scene, like the pictures from that scene. And I was like, I'm coming to you as a man. Mm-hmm. So I was bringing it to you, Mike. I was like, you have <laughs> like, do God, like, do you think guys really would come up? Like to me, that's how guys would come up to um a dude that, um, it's messing with a girl that they also mess with. It's like, you know, they'll come to you and be like, yo, nah, like so-and-so, I, yo, that's your girl, blah, 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 blah. Like, I know her. We go way back. That's my sis, blah, 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 blah. It's all love. Like, you know, we we this close. Like, her mama and my mom's, like, they good all the while. Like, they, like, basically in a subtle way is letting you know that, like, they're also, like, fucking your girl. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, I mean, uh, now I, I saw you post that. I didn't know the context to it. I always like to find a context, like if it was tweeted on something. But uh, uh, but yeah, that actually reminds me of, isn't Jolene? That song Jolene kind of like that too, where it's like, uh, don't take my man away or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, made, that made me think of that. Again, another 70s song. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's something I, I'm familiar with. Like uh, the woman who's like, again, like the family, like the, like the wife or like the person... Who, who is like your woman, you know, yeah, you're with, and then you have someone that you're messing with and then she shows up at the job or something like that. And, uh, subtly tries to let the, you know that like, Oh, you know, or let's say like the guy has a job where like, you can get like a, you get something from the job. Like, a they, that, that was something I'm familiar with, like them using something like a benefit that they get and then they would show it or something like that. Just to let people know, let her, the person know that I, I can take your man or, I'm with your man, whatever. Mm. But with a guy, um, that that's a I don't know how that that's a weird thing to do. Like, um, you had you had that in college, like you 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 experienced that. Oh, where where you like went up to a guy and was like, hey, she's you know that. I I don't know. I think it would be more like completely divided, and the women are more like are the ones that would get affected. You know, I had a situation where I was kind of like a. Supporting character in the main story, but I've I've known of situations where, like, a guy um had his whole situation blown up by his like, you know, I want to say his side piece because I don't think like the one like it was that like he was messing with two. Oh, yeah, this did happen to me though. But yeah, it actually did happen. But they, you know, he was kind of trying to have like his cake and eat it too, and it kind of like his cake had like a C four in it because it blew up in his face. Uh, but it's it's funny as hell because it's always the side piece that does it. Like I don't know what you gain from it. Like if if you're with somebody or you're messing with somebody and you find out like they have like a significant other. Like if you're a guy and you're messing with a girl and you find out she got a boyfriend, um, and you don't want to be in you you don't want to be um involved with somebody who's involved with somebody else, or if you're a girl. And, you know, your guy, you come to find out, like, he got a girl. Like, why don't you just, like, separate yourself from the situation? Like, this, like, you know, it's like that, that what Alfred said in the, in the Dark Knight, where it's like some men, some men just like to watch the whole world burn. Like, in general, I think some people just want to watch the whole world burn. So it's like, okay, not only... Am I like devastated by finding out like you were two timing me? But I'm gonna make sure you're like you're devastated. I'm gonna make sure your girl's devastated. I'm gonna make sure all your friends is devastated because I'm gonna 
air it out like oh they knew uh that it's not it's it's kind of similar maybe it isn't um where uh nothing like i was maybe with someone and then with someone else but someone who wanted to get with one of them saw what i was doing and they subtly in so many ways it's in so many in such a fashion where they alluded to me being with two people even though it wasn't exclusive but because they wanted to get in they wanted to get in on one of them so they kind of fucked me derailed me mm-hmm. you know but that happened where dirty market but, but yeah but it wasn't like we were both with someone it was it wasn't like that um like if you look i'm looking at that as like a, on like a diagram um <laughs> you know what i mean so like basically the chart so if you did if, if you wanted to get yeah yeah if you want like pull pull it out like so let's break that down let's break that down let's let's break that down so um that's exactly the point where like by doing this you're gonna hurt this guy right here you're gonna hurt the person that you are in into mm-hmm. um for the sake of trying to console them afterwards maybe is that the is that the game plan but you're hurting someone that you're supposedly trying to that you care about or trying to get with which that's that's fucked up that, that proves that you you're not the right one better well, the, 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 the guy, long game the long well, game well the guy in the situation it's funny because the whole thing like the girl him and the girl i blew him and the girl who blew up the whole situation like they ended up being like boyfriend and girlfriend like right afterwards mm. so it was essentially like the third person but uh, you're the you're the third person no, no, no I, oh what they say listen i was the token black guy in the mm. movie you know in all in all the team movie out there the token black guy that was me <laughs> yeah i mean i was a side yeah. character a minor minor role <laughs> yeah supporting cast supporting player um yeah but those type those are weird dynamics um What's the what's the thing um um Lee R. V. Oswald said? I'm a patsy. Yeah, I'm a just patsy. A, I'm, a, I'm a patsy. I'm, I'm just, just a patsy. patsy. <laughs> uh, what's the word? Collateral damage, maybe. Yeah, it's just weird to me. I don't know. I, I like, but see, me personally, like, I can't cheat. I can't cheat. It's too much work. Mm. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to have like two relationships going at the same damn time. Like it's just like uh like one like one relationship seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Like, Fuck people yeah. happy. You have because yeah. it's like you gotta keep one, like two people happy, and you gotta keep them happy separately in order for you to be happy. Yeah, it's just like eh, it's like yeah. Oh, it- so you only have it's only so many hours in a day to fuck up one yeah, relationship. Uh, I gonna do two, you know, fuck up everything else. You got like uh, two phones, a secret, like the, the... yeah. I knew I knew someone who had that where like they were saving Pizza Hut, saving numbers on the Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, like I like I knew someone actually did that. Like they they whistled, they weren't married yet, but they eventually did. But they had like kids together, mm-hmm. and he had one phone. And then he had another phone. So when you get to the point where you have to show her your phone or you have to like leave it out there subtly. So maybe uh, she, if she does look at it and you're like kayfabing that you don't see it, like, uh, weird to me. Have you ever seen those videos where girls like they're like, I've seen like these videos on like Instagram and like Twitter and Snapchat where like the guy leaves their phone open and this girl, like the girl, like looks at it or she's acting like she she found like the Ark of the Covenant covenant. Mm. Like she's like, oh my God, he left his phone open. Like that's some that's like a whole different level of like insecurity. I like I hope I never have to like reach. Yeah. 
you know? Uh, yeah, no, I understand. Or um, I, would, I wouldn't want to have to put anyone through, like, you want to see? Like, my phone has a lot. I'm not even, like, dating anybody. My phone has a lock screen just because, like, I don't want to, like, leave my shit, like, lying around somewhere and somebody picks it up, opens it, and it's just like, oh, like, let's look at this guy's, like, search history. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you can't delete it. You can't delete it. It's always there. And then, you know? and then it's like when you open the Ark of the Covenant and you're not supposed to look at it, and again, yeah. your face melts. Like that's all what the, happens when you open my phone. All the ghosts, all the ghosts of the past <laughs> pop up. Yeah. That's what happens. Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones boned a lot of a lot of people. Um, yeah, but like with social media. Um, oh, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue this out of this into something else that I forgot to bring up. Uh, so like if you're like the person that is the long-term person like who has like a future with them a future with them and you're trying to prove the other p- potential or someone who is a side act we'll just say oh this is my man you know i'm with you and like, they're like, taking the pictures together that that's as sad as like being the someone who's trying to take someone who's in a relationship like you're trying to prove to other people that oh no we're, like we love each other by taking photos and like yeah. putting it on that shit's sad to I me and it sucks because like uh I'm too lazy. Again, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too lazy to have to be worried about relationship stuff. You know, it's like, thank God, I'm I'm out of the game, man. <laughs> I <laughs> I can't, I couldn't do it. It's like the old west, the gunslinger. Like I'd have my room in the back. Yeah, yeah you know, like the gunslinger would have like the old gun, the hat. Back then, I'd have like my old burner phone, <laughs> my so, old dude, burner phone. Oh, dude, man, I where the dynamic works. So I give you the single guy perspective. Yeah. I give you the ifs, and Mike gives you the what's because. He's in a relationship. I'm not. So we, we know we know Shug is itching. Look, six months ago he was watching The Bachelor. So we, he's getting ready for once oh things open up. Oh my god, man! And <laughs> once I, things... Yo, listen. And every freaking time I turn on ABC, I gotta see, I gotta mm. see all uh, Katie's. I, I like. I'm I'm terrified for when I have to see her and like some dude that's not me like cuddling up i'm still it's it's a screensaver if you have verizon like it pops up like and you just see this big thing Yo, uh, she's, she's like she's been on like hanging out with like a couple of the girls from the cast and a lot of them are still like hot uh you mentioned like leaving your phone out yeah by accident but i said like leaving it out on purpose to do like a like a cafe thing like oh no my phone i don't know my phone's open and then you're trying to prove that like you're not doing like anything. a like a thomas jerry trick yeah, subtle, like a subtle thing, or like doing something on social media. Uh, did you see that thing that happened with uh, John Wall, where like he voted? Did you see that? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. That, just. To, but you, it's not. <laughs> that's a relationship I'm a, too. <laughs> I'm. A, I'm gonna tell you, like I misinterpreted the first time I saw it yeah. because I thought this was wrong because somebody had the video from like nine games into the season. I think it was around the time like Harden, um. Around the same time, Harden kind of, like, quit on them, and it was, mm. like, apparent, like, he was going to get traded. So, like, John Wall had, like, a press conference, and he was saying, like, it's nine games in. Like, you can't just quit, like, on a team. Like, we still mm. got a long way to go, like, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I saw that picture, I thought it came out that – like, I thought it was from back then that, it like, they were asking, do you think Harden's going to leave? And he voted yes. So that was like salacious enough. I didn't know that it was him now saying yeah. like <laughs> him voting yes that he was gonna leave. <laughs> I can't no it's subtle. Is is it was it a mistake or was it real? Was it like uh that that's what I'm laughing about it with like 
you're like you're doing it on purpose or it was a slip up or it was a subtle like changing it to it's complicated on facebook <laughs> you know like half no, no i'm joking around uh, yeah. i'm kidding no it's a joke it's a joke well, yeah. seriously guys this isn't uh this isn't uh violating any um rules right you guys <laughs> get call my lawyers or it, it, snapchat them they disappear I'm just, wait, I'm just waiting for like the poll do you do you think mike's gonna leave show me the mooney and then it comes out mike voted <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah like my face uh see yeah that's another that's a relationship <laughs> and, and and then we, we thought we talked about uh we're talking about the whole woman the woman thing and we're talking about uh breakup of a marriage that's business too you mm-hmm. know so it's like it's it's weird um shit man i think everything we talked about was a lot of relationships uh love hate relationships that people are you know they're connected to each other even even palestine and that's what i meant they're up against each other they're in the same house yeah like the same apartment building you know they're they're neighbors for life that lease that lease is a long lease too Mm -hmm. um and uh the um communal stuff is just becoming the, the communal stuff in the house is becoming a lot less communal and it's like the one person had just has a more affluent daddy come over and help them out with good. I don't know. It's like you know, like I be like we're, we're like we're lighting 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 it up. Of course, There's, it, it reminds me of like when somebody goes to like uh like that like one of those shows where like the bully comes in and the new kid he's like you're sitting in my chair and then he moved to the next chair and it's like you're sitting in my other favorite chair like mm. i think that's that's what like israel is doing except like people are dying over mm. these chairs and it's unfortunate yeah and uh when we talk about this we're talking about all this stuff but well, we talk about ourselves too on the show so hey so yeah. there you go it's all you know it's all for you yeah so listen stay tuned for booker t and final thoughts is coming up next. All right. So uh, for the last uh, last month, we've been talking about A&E's WWE Legends biography series. Uh, we had Stone Cold. We had Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, then we had uh, Who's a Macho Man was next. Mm-hmm. And here we are with Booker T. Yeah. Booker T. Uh, Booker T. Hoffman. Uh just off the bat, before this, before uh, just in general, I've uh, been a big fan of him since the 90s. Uh, when it comes to WCW, back then when I was a kid, my guys were Jericho before he left, when he was like the whiny Jericho in like 98, 99, Booker T and DDP. Everyone else was just like remnants of like WWF guys. I liked like NWO and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the best music. WCW was not known for their music, right? He was yeah. one of the few that carried it over into WWE. Exactly. Uh, so uh, just that alone, like, you know, he was always a big deal to me as a kid. And then, um, you know, he had a great run, like you said, WWF. Uh, great run post-career, much like Stone Cold, where he's one of the guys that can have his own podcast, talk shit. Then next week, be on the show, be on WWE. Talk shit about WWE, and then next week, be on WWE still. Like he has that, uh, you know that that uh, he's that type of guy. Um, but uh, this is the fourth one. I was way more into this docu than the Randy Savage one. I'll just say that. But this docu was, uh, like I was saying before, we've been saying that uh, each episode is uh, directed by and produced by a different team. Uh, this one was uh, HBO heavy, HBO sports heavy. Uh, uh, if you want IMDb, 
George mm-hmm. Roy, George Roy, uh, Curse of the Bambino for about 20 years ago. That was a great Love one. That, yeah. It was, it was like Boston centric. Like this is like a month. This came out a year before the dreaded, uh, collapse of the Yankees in yeah, Boston yeah. in 2004. Learn. I think like in my, uh, makes sense. Yankee fandom. Um, mm-hmm. like watching that, uh, Curse of the Bambino, it got me, um, it was kind of like the the um why you hate mm-hmm. why to why we hate Boston why Boston hates yeah. us one on one all our stuff it, it led to me it, it was basically Red Sox fans saying why they hate us and like, it made me hate Red Sox fans but it was well done mm-hmm. so that's one of that's one of the pieces that he worked on Emmy winning Peabody winning uh, also another good one uh, do you remember the battle for Tobacco Road Duke versus North Carolina. I think I've seen that once. Yeah, so it was I good. Like vaguely remember because I was in like two two into yeah, they um, college basketball, but uh, and then you had a Broad Street Bullies one uh, yeah, that, that was one pretty I good. Do remember that one? I do remember. This was uh the Olympics. You know the uh, the power the uh, fist of freedom. You know when like the two out of the three winners uh they had the fists up in the Olympics mm-hmm. in the sixties. He worked on something like that. Um, so that's like the resume. All good works. I've seen them all. Uh, Booker T's one. It opens up and it's an homage. John Shaft. Shaft. That was kind of cool. But mm-hmm. that's the only time you really seen something. That's the only time they really did that, right? You know, with that that style. The rest of it was kind of a straightforward 50% uh, pre-wrestling and then like 50% wrestling. Very standard like bio docu DVD style, right? Yeah. But it was great though. Did you know a lot about his backstory? before this i know i knew he was from the houston area uh he was actually born in louisiana and actually from going to houston multiple times Mm -hmm. in the last couple years and going to louisiana for the first time um just before the pandemic like louisiana like western louis western louisiana and um Houston are like really really close so it's easy to see how he like migrated from um or how his family migrated but I didn't know a lot of stuff about his mom and dad passing away and him basically being like an orphan yeah that was crazy um I couldn't imagine that um we when I think about things it's a lot of safety nets you have I seemed like he didn't. Him and his like mm-hmm. his sister, right? And his older brother just turned eighteen, so he wasn't a man. He wasn't like an. He just turned eighteen, pretty much, and uh, he was in the same boat as them. Uh, didn't he didn't have that safety net that a lot of people uh, have? That you know, um, so right from the get go, thirteen, uh, he had to try to figure out life on his own, uh, and things. Uh, he went one way. You know, instead of going to school, sometimes. Uh, he'd be on the street doing shit, you know, and that led to a lot of uh, uh, hardships in his life. Yeah, making bad choices, stuff like that. He eventually, eventually, worked at Wendy's, and I guess like one of the managers was giving him a hard time, and they kind of learned like I guess him and a coworker and a friend is like kind of learned the ins and outs of the, you know cash handling procedures and like the procedures when um 
the stores being robbed and stuff like that. So they kind of figured out a way around that and they actually went on a spree of hitting several different Wendy's, I think 22 in total. Mm. And he went to jail. And while he was in jail, he said it was very much like, you know, those those chain gangs where mm. it's like you go and you had to like dig up um these these plant these um lots and sometimes you had to do it by hand. And he said once he got out, he one of the the one thing he said he'd never forget is one of the COs, one of the correctional officers, telling him, All right, well, I'll see you when you come back. You know, so it's all oh, yeah, such a condescending thing, you know. Yeah, so it's already I think, you know, like a black man, uh already a criminal. So you assume like that's gonna be the life for them. They're gonna continue life um being a criminal. And I remember I said last week's episode that this was a person who literally had his life saved by wrestling and this this a this a biography actually um showed that and i think like this one it kind of had the it had a lot more heart than the first three because you know stone cold's one was a little bit straightforward Roddy Piper's was a little bit, you know, here and there. And then last week's episode with Randy Savage was like completely like, you know, the the your obituary being written by like your enemies type of thing. TMZ style, like trash. Yeah. Um, but this one you had him, you had his family, and then one of the things that I was very, very, I found very admirable was the fact that he said once he got out of jail, the first thing he wanted to do was get his son because, mm-hmm. you know, his son's mother was addicted to drugs. So while he was in prison, they lost his son to the foster care system. And he thought to himself, you know, I'm young. I don't know if I could raise a child, but at the end of the day, like his mom, who died very tragically and suddenly when he was young, um, tried to raise all of his brothers and sisters on her own because his dad died when he was, I think, six months old, he said. Some of that. Yeah. So when he was really young, so he thought to himself, if his mom could raise all these kids, he, he he's certain like he he can't. Um, yeah, there's like, no reason for him not to be able to raise his one son. Yeah, that was that was one of the moments that stuck with me too. How he was comparing it to is like how his mom did it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we jumped ahead to when he got out of prison, but of course he had a passion. Uh, it was wrestling, you know, him and his, we, we forgot to even mention that, you know, of course his tag team partner eventually would be his older brother. And I didn't even know, I didn't realize like it was that long of a gap. They were six years apart. Like me and my sister were like six years apart. And it seems like she's so much older than me. Whereas like Stevie Ray and Booker T, I thought they was like, you know, like maybe like a year or two apart. They were like six years apart. Lash uh, they, is his real name. Lash. Yeah. Lash. And they mentioned it, um, uh, they kind of alluded to it's kind of similar. I think my, my dad and my aunt are like that too, where uh there's a big gap between like Lash was like or Stevie Ray 
and then you had a long gap and then he, they had two babies at the end like real quick you know and they had a big difference between them so his older older siblings are more like uncles and aunts that dynamic you know that weird like so it's kind of a, a different dynamic um so those three were more like close uh but of course they they like wrestling they were talking about again houston wrestling i think we just talked about with stone cold they watched the houston wrestling uh louisiana had a lot of wrestling too mid-south with uh bill watts that style and he saw uh they talked about it in the documentary i believe but because growing up in that in that territory uh bill watts was uh he he had junkyard dog what did, did that come up in the uh, bio i don't remember because they do talk about it in uh the, the treasure show so they had another the other show they have that's a you know a companion show is the the search for the treasures so booker t was on that and he was saying that growing up junkyard dog was a big deal to him louisiana yeah. guy uh so that's one of the guys he watched in the early 80s and uh Steve ray you know it was kind of that real life partner helping him out uh and then they got into they got into uh training to be wrestlers mm-hmm. uh and it was ivan putsky who's big deal in wwwf uh in the northeast mass square garden he's one of those guys and even Crazy like before, dude. and even before that, the thing that like touched my my heart was that he bounced around from different jobs and mm-hmm. had a situation where he had a job somewhere where he became so close with the boss but hit you know his boss's boss had to um let him go because of his you know his past conviction mm. so that same boss got a job at like a storage facility and hired booker to be a security guard in there and he was just so he had so much belief in booker t the person that when Booker told him, like, listen, like, I gotta, I wanna do this wrestling thing, da, 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 but I don't have the money for it. Like, you know, that, that guy, I'm sorry I didn't write down his name. Mm-hmm. He actually sponsored his, um, sponsored his wrestling training. And it just, like, before we go on and talk about the show, I just wanna highlight that fact because. You know, I've had, especially being a, a person that's been like a supervisor in the jobs I've worked in, like, I kind of like take a lot of um pride in when new people come in and kind of like show them, showing them the ropes and kind of being patient with them and like teaching them the ways about going into things. Because once you, you're working with each other, you kind of talk about life and you kind of learn about the person. So you kind of see value in them. And our value never really goes away unless somebody gives you a reason not to. So I'm thinking like this guy, he 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 was working alongside Booker and never like he you know Booker was and and even hearing Booker T talk, um, not only on this but on commentary or in other interviews and stuff like that. Like I think when I found out like. He, he was like, you know, he was in jail and stuff like that. And he, he used to, to rob. Like, I didn't believe it until I actually saw the the mugshots. Like, I didn't know about it until I, I think probably in the mid-2000s. I didn't know, like, that was Booker's past. But I think when you work with somebody and you start seeing them as a person, and you're like, wow, this dude is, like, he, he might be, like, 
his record might say criminal, but his his person is like not that. This is a genuinely good person as a person that you should invest in. Right. Yeah, I noticed that too. Because um, a lot of times someone would have the passion for something, but not the means. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, he got the he got the ability to uh, try it out. You know, because he had so much other stuff going on too, like trying to his own family uh, living that lifestyle of like I, I call it a survivor. Like he, the way he figured out how to survive was that, which led to the you know incarceration. But from that, something good came, uh, which was because uh, obviously uh, being a teenager and he have, he must have had a lot of insecurity too growing up. Like um, you know not, not being shown like how to do certain things. Like it's it's not like a normal upbringing. Like and that just naturally would give you like a me against the world attitude maybe, or just like a, just a feeling of, all right, all I have is me. I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to get out of here. Um, but yeah, so like now he's training to be a wrestler. Um, but Ivan Putsky was like the school. Uh, I know him from, I have a picture over here, the mass work guard, five foot five dude, about like 250 pounds, one of those scary looking guys you wouldn't want to mess with, you know? Uh, Eventually, I don't. Did they bring him up? The his son also was like a peer of uh, Booker T, in the same uh, same training area. Uh, what I remembered him first. It's ironic because you would say WCW, but um, in the early nineties, well, my babysitter, um, me and me and the, the kids, they're my age too. Uh, we would watch wrestling during the afternoon, and for so many years, like during like the pre-internet or like early days of the internet, I was like, what the hell was that? What mm-hmm. was that wrestling I used to watch? Yeah. It was PWF on ESPN. It was mm-hmm. a Patriot. Uh, it was Texas base. It was the remnants of, of uh, watch stuff. Uh, it's a place where Bruce Pritchard went when he got fired from WWF. So it was like 91, 92. And it was always crummy looking. So you had guys who were like, on the way down and then you had the guys on the way up which was booker t was one of the guys mm-hmm. um it was weird they brought up the whole spinner rooney thing during this didn't they yeah which was funny yeah, it was kind of like uh it was like a watershed moment in, <laughs> his, in history because um you know, they talked about like you know our sportatorium players it was like you know you'd be watching a wrestling match and like rats would be crawling around your foot and it was it wasn't it was world famous for just being like dilapidated and just be existing Mm. and you know the crowd was like you know texas like hicks uh rednecks racist and they used to catch all kind of like different racial um epithets and slurs and I guess during one match, he did the Spinner Rooney thing and it kind of gained him a whole new following. And black people started going to the, I thought that was an interesting point. I, they said like black people started going to the sportatorium and watching them. So all of these racists in the crowd, they couldn't yell racist, racist mm-hmm. stuff anymore because black people, like a black person was like sitting right next to you. So, uh, so I mean, I'm, I, I kind of made light of it with the spinner rooney, but it, it, I guess if that brought if that brought some kind of change, like I guess it was that influential, and it really became like a trademark in his career, like for 
you know the the length of it uh it, just in general pro wrestling has this uh is rich deep history of of like race and everything but in that area in particular that part of texas louisiana and going north um i've read a lot of books where um like i've read a book from a guy who's from britain who or he was like english and he hung out with the black guys because he felt like he was coming from as an outsider and he was like oh my like he the, the way he the guy would junk he was with junkyard dog during that time late 70s early 80s and like they would love him they would they would on, on like they'd be crying in in, in like joy and like when then when junkyard was getting his ass kicked they'd be crying and like they loved him so much and then when the bell when the bell rang, rang and the match was over they'd go back to hating junkyard dog like like out on the street they'd be like fuck him you know that but when he was on in the in the on the in the ring it was just a heartbreak in the read. It was crazy, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. But with Booker T, uh, that was that was a, a refresher that he was in the GWF. And again, you could have watched that on the network. They have all those on the network. Uh, they bought it. Um, so with the WCW, um, uh, I was gonna wait to bring this up, but they they kind of glossed over a lot of things. Now that we bring up race, so they glossed over a lot of things that you might say, let's not bring this up. Like WWE was like, no, let's not bring this up. Uh, you know how they were originally, uh, Harlem Heat was to debut as, you know, the Ivory Express, uh, Ebony Express? Yeah, I actually had that because I actually thought it actually happened, but they were supposed to debut as the like kind of like wrestling slaves. Uh, Colonel Rob Parker yeah. was supposed to have won them in like a card game and they were supposed to come to the ring in like shackles and I thought like I, I thought I read that it they actually did, happened though. it did happen the sh- no the shackles they did for a while they were uh, Booker and Cole they were like they had different names they had the shackles but they didn't go as far as say that he won them in a game like the term like I won these guys it was kind of like um, like you have like bodyguards mm-hmm but like they were definitely doing it on purpose to like push the envelope. Uh, they and were definitely was, trying to hit that nerve, you know. And just for like um, the people listening who probably aren't wrestling fans, but you know, like listen to us because we're interested. Colonel Rob Parker, he was kind of like you know like a Colonel Sanders, but also mixed with like a plantation owner, yep. cartoony, um, yeah, over the top, like, over the top. He had the white outfit, the hat. And he was he, in the eighties. This guy was a legit. He was like a, a really legit wrestler. Because do Buller. do remember like WCW was based out of you know the terms people would say with the two companies was WWE. You're going up north, uh, or going to New York, and WCW was going down south or going to Atlanta. So at that time, they were their main base was like, you know, the South, you know, TBS country. Um, and that's, that's how they came to be. But I guess apparently they didn't, um, they didn't follow through with the full blown, like, yeah, I own like these wrestling slaves and they're gonna like do my bidding because I own them. Yeah. You know, it was like 1993. So it's like, yeah, yeah, 93, 94. And a guy who was there was Sid, Sid Vicious, uh, psycho Sid, Sid Udi. He was like, um, he got them in. He, I, he, he, he had the idea. I think it was his idea to like to do that, but they scrapped it. Uh, They're like, no, this is too, this is too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that didn't happen. But 
um, they switched him out. They switched Robert Fuller out with Sister Sherry. Sister oh yeah, Sherry. sensational Sherry. Oh my God, what a beautiful Which, woman. Yeah, um, who also was connected to last week's subject, uh, Randy Savage, because she managed managed him when he was the Macho King and turned on him, and I kind of turned him back good with Elizabeth. The side chick. Yeah, but Sister Sherry in WCW. Um, which was great because it, I I was surprised they covered it and they touched on it, but they had the um. After we, you know, after we get um, through Lex Luger and Sting, Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, Nick. Yeah, uh, right, away, right away. And I love like the the I love the the explanation for it. It's just like listen, like like that's how we talk, and I kind of get I kind of got carried away, and I'm like uh, you know like Mike's heard me drop like an n-bomb or two because that's how i talk when i talk you know black people talk among talk amongst each other oddly enough i remember like somebody was like trying to like actually not somebody white was proposing a topic for our show on who can and can't use the n-word and i was just like well if you're not black you shouldn't use it and the story that would be the quickest segment we ever had on this show uh, like, <laughs> but it was funny as hell because it comes up. Um, it, it was a viral thing. I remember seeing a video a lot, and I was like, I can't believe he did that because mm. it was it was way before my time in in um when I got into WCW, um when I got into wrestling. But when we get to that point in his career, we'll discuss it. Well, it's so um, that's like one of the earliest things on like e bombs. You know, like one of the earliest like pre YouTube like clips they would show. It was mm. always that. You know, that and Shockmaster were the first things that are the most well-known if you're a casual guy, a casual fan. Uh, so they, they talk about that. They, you know, they bring that up. Um, but uh, there's other things down the line that they don't talk about, that, which we will, you know, eventually get into. So we all know the, the, the as fans, you know, the, the, the rest of his career uh, in WCW where, you know, he's in the tag team. He's one of the main tag team guys. Uh, looking back, WCW had a really great WCW had a you know, WCW had a really great uh, tag team division, yeah. uh, and Harlem Heat, like they're one of like this pre NWO WCW, and they're also Monday Night Wars WCW. Mm-hmm. And how fitting, you know, Booker T was a, the last WCW champion. I don't think anyone else besides Sting would have been inappropriate. Yeah, and my, like I'm, I'm gonna get into it because let me just give background on like Booker T or my my relation my um relationship with him as a fan. I got into WW. I got into wrestling at the end of 1998. So when I jumped in, I took the deep dive. Anybody that knows me knows like when I get interested in something, I, I take a full plunge, like. Game of Thrones, I got into it the very last season, and I binge-watched the whole series, the whole eight seasons, um, just before the last couple episodes. So I really get into these things. So I was watching, like, Monday Night Raw, and then flipping a Nitro, and then I was watching WCW Mm. Thunder, which was on Thursday nights. Mm, That's where I watched it, too. And... Saturdays they would have WCW Saturday night, which was like probably like the longest running like mm-hmm. wrestling show. Yeah. And they had other then, shows too. They had like mm-hmm. the weekend. Remember the weekday morning shows? Did you watch that too? Like on channel nine? They had like syndicated shows too. 
not WCW. Uh, yeah, but this made me, it's in the same as you, uh, this made me remember how I would watch WCW. It was, I didn't flip back and forth after a while. I would watch, in the summer times, I'd watch the encore of Nitro like at like four in the morning, I think, because mm-hmm. I would stay up all night. I'd watch Thunder because I'd be at like my sister's house and uh, my nephew was allowed to watch WCW because it was like PG. So that's, so that's the only time I watched it was Thursdays and then Saturday nights uh, and then like during the mornings, it would show the highlights of Nitro. Like the whole Goldberg rise and the Booker T was, that was, now this made me remember how I would watch WCW back then. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, like Saturdays I would watch. Um, yeah. Saturdays I would watch WCW Saturday nights. And then Sunday mornings I would watch Livewire and Superstars on USA, WWE, on USA for WWE. Um, so I remember watching Harlem Heat. So I remember them when they were together. And then I do remember there was like a split and Stevie Ray was like actually the leader of the end. They call them the B team, uh, the NWO, NWO black and white. And it was like the B team. Cause it wasn't like, this wasn't like Nash and Hall and Hogan and Macho Man. This was like. Stevie Ray and like Horace Hogan and okay, okay. Well. yeah, like these random people. Um, but Booker T he had like a singles run, and I remember he won like the TV championship, he won the USA, the US championship. And you know, I was really I really like was into him, like watching him. Like I I was a big fan. I I usually gravitate towards like you know the, the black people because you know they look like me, so it's easy to look up to. But him in general, I just looked at everybody in general and like he was one of my favorites. So you had like The Rock winning the championship on WWE and then you flip over like a year or two later, like they started giving Booker T like championship runs. And kind of they they talked about it, too, where, you know, the whole thing with Hulk Hogan and Vince Russo and Jeff Jarrett happened. And I thought what was a cool moment in that was Jeff Jarrett saying, like, that's one of his proudest moments in his wrestling career was the fact that Booker T beat him to become, like, the second ever black WCW champion. Hmm. Like, Lord only knows, like, Hulk Hogan wasn't letting that happen to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ron Simmons, yeah. Another guy who was popular at the time in WWF. Mm-hmm. Ron Simmons, you know. But yeah, so so he moved on to um. So then it it went on that WCW was bought by WWF WWE later on, and there would be no more WCW. They actually tried because if you remember Booker T and Buff Bagwell, they kind of had like a tryout match. And I mean, I don't believe in the the narrative because this this is a narrative that they try to push is that WWE spent so many years telling you to hate WCW that fans, like, rejected it. Mm-hmm. But I think that fans, like, they, they, they knew it wouldn't work out, especially with so few um, wrestlers coming over and just not, you know... Um, sitting out their contract, which a lot of them chose to do, just sit out the rest of their contract and collect millions 
or hundreds of thousands of dollars for doing nothing. But Booker T, so he was one of the first, he was one of them people that was just like, nah, like if I could go over there now, like let me go over there now and start. So I always, I never, I know, like people always say, like, you know, the reason like the invasion failed was because WCW stars, um, didn't come over, but I don't like the Goldbergs and uh, Nash and the uh, Hulk Hogan's. But I was like, I didn't believe that because you have Booker T. To me, Booker T was a WCW star. Yeah, and with, with that, with like WCW not working out, like, and then I think this is my theory all along. This has always been my theory that it did work out. Uh, it took a year, but then they eventually did the they did the brand split. SmackDown and Raw. SmackDown basically was what WCW would have been. Mm-hmm. I think that's my thing is that. They had the cruiserweight division. You had all the guys on um, on SmackDown. Um, that was it. Was more geared towards matches. And Raw was always going to be like people backstage with like funny hats on and doing silly and shit. I, you know? Ironically, that you say that, like Booker. they were the the plan was that Monday Night Raw would end. It would turn into Nitro and WCW Nitro, and then Thursday would have been the flagship WC WWF show. Um, but in execution, like Mike said, it, it, it was the exact opposite. But before we get into the thing, I, one of the things I had was, um, Sturgis Roadwild. Oh Wild. yeah. Cause I remember mm, watching that's another it. moment. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching it, um, the, the few years of WCW that was left. And I remember every time they would show it, I would see all of these like redneck look at white people with their bikes and basically circling around the ring and i was just like all right this is kind of like awkward and then booker kind of like highlighted that he was like yeah man it was like we didn't even like we walked out to the ring and they already was like they hated us <laughs> it wasn't even like the bad guys and it was free the shows were free mm-hmm. uh the, they were just there because they were going to be there anyway with the bikes the sturges uh uh whatever they call that the biking thing yeah, it was in North Dakota, so North Whatever. Dakota or South Dakota? It's, I think it is South. Uh, it, I think it's, it's like Blue, uh, Butte or something like that. I don't know. No, no, no. I don't know. Um, uh, but, like, they weren't even there for wrestling. They were just there to, like, you know, no seats. You just – wherever your bike is is your seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was just an excuse for them to go because, like, they, a lot of the guys, like, motorcycles. Yeah, like um, Bischoff and Hogan. Oh, yeah, they, they were into that stuff, which is, you know, that's what they're into. Um but yeah, they were saying, um, I think on the WCW fall of WCW DVD, they mentioned that where Booker T mentions how um, um, people were like kind of uncomfortable. And he's like, oh, you're uncomfortable. Like, you know, look at me. You know, he mm-hmm. was there. Maybe he had like flashbacks from uh, GWF and all that, you know, flashbacks of the crowd of how they were acting because they're all probably drunk too. Yeah. And the guys in, in the sportatorium were obviously all loaded. I, 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 I found it like a lot of the things like I said I, I didn't think they would touch on they actually like touched on so Sturgis right, and, well. you know Hogwild and Roadwild and then the Hulk Hogan were coming for you like I, I was surprised like those topics were covered there were certain things that weren't covered but yeah that's well, well that's up next um they didn't talk about the Booker T Triple H yeah angle Which is yeah so that one of the worst like travesties like ever but the guy who recorded the interview said they did talk about it. They just didn't put it in the documentary. Yeah, that, so he was saying the guy, uh, David, uh, David Dennis, did you see his tweets? No. 
Okay, so the guy involved with it said, "Where's the footage?" Like uh, there, there was it was talked about, and Booker T had things to say, but it's not talked about. So he was like, uh, "You know, that that was they, trending." You know, they definitely talked about him debuting and you know, uh, following in like Chris Jericho's step steps as a WCW guy, and it kind of shows you how like gracious um Dwayne Johnson is that he took part in both of those things and mm. kind of like you know had had his hands and in introducing these guys it's like all right like come in you know i'm gonna kind of like you know shit on you but me shitting on you is gonna get you more of a reaction because you know he could shit on people without burying them where a lot of people they would just like you know you you make you you know talk them into like being nothing and then they become nothing they become irrelevant and then they're released mm. uh but of course in the stone cold uh yeah, doc- yeah in the stone cold docu again because they're both texas and sportatorium a lot of similarities between austin and booger t but uh we find out in in the stone cold docu that he gets injured and they t- said that booger t was you know during that that invasion angle so now we're now we're in booker t's docu and uh you know it's the same time as him coming into wwf um he started doing the comedy routines because stone cold had to do more like pre-tape things instead of matches so booker mm-hmm. t got the stone cold rub. This is one of the more iconic um <laughs> it's one of the more iconic um, yeah, promo or the, the most visuals, one of the more visuals. iconic videos yeah of yeah. wrestling and it's funny as hell because um it's like a running gag on like black Twitter when there's like a really fine like white woman, like th- like somebody will post a picture like Sydney Sweeney from um Euphoria like they'll like she'll post like some picture of her like sunbathing or something uh, or Mandy um Rose like she'll post pictures of her like you know working out or like in a bikini, and like some black dude would post like Stone Cold like drinking the milk and having the milk all over himself. Yeah. having a milk all over himself so like it, it's like that's why i that visual and then remembering you know price check on jackass yeah, added later on like you could tell like, it was just like throw that in there <laughs> uh yeah this, but that was like what the thing that that was what was popular in late 2001 2002 um since we're going to talk about something that wasn't talked about uh another thing that was uh edited out of peacock recently was him and goldust and Goldust and him were doing comedy bits too in 2002. Uh, Goldust is wearing like an afro, and uh, his gold is it's not gold; it's black. He's wearing like black makeup and stuff. So that was cut out. They cut that out, man. Oh, yeah, no, you remember that, what I'm talking about? That yeah. was great. Him and Goldust. I think it was during. Um, uh, him and Goldust were actually like paired together when he was going up against Triple H too. Yeah, yeah. With the old NWO thing, that was 2002. They brought him back for that little thing. Um, but yeah, so. That's like one of the things that people have been talking about a lot lately. Um, things that could have happened or uh, talking about how angles were just dropped. Uh, they talk about the whole WrestleMania 19 with Triple H and Booker T. Uh, yeah. I wasn't watching it back then. Uh, everything I know about it is from like going backwards. Um, but and this was this was kind of like the time we kind of like stopped. Like yeah. Both of us kind of like, you know, it, it kind of wrestling kind of got uninteresting to us. And to me, I think a large part of it, and it's why, like, I can't give, like, Triple H, like, his due, because he's so always kind of, like, sh- like, today, like, the last decade, he's kind of, like, shoehorned himself into stuff, 
And then I just remembered the first part of the 2000s, you know, how wrestling is meant to go is, you know, the bad guy, you know, either like the good guy keeps going over and over and over and then he loses to a bad guy and then the bad guy loses to like the next good guy. And very rarely you'd see two good guys, um, you know, they, they kind of have the match together, the hero versus hero. Like you saw it out with Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 6. But more often than not, like the bad guy always, you know, gets over, you know, in the lead up to the big match mm-hmm. over the good guy. And then in the match, what they call the blowover, um, or like the climax, the good guy would prevail because, you know, in storyline, every wrong that the bad guy did would be righted. And payoff, yeah. Yeah, the payoff. Blow off, yeah, payoff. Or blow off. Um, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's all the same. My bad, whatever. It's all the same. It's fake words, people. It's fake lingo anyway. <laughs> In layman's terms. Yeah. Um, but I felt like it was more often than not during our time, like um, Triple H would be like the exception to the rule. He was a bad guy that would always go over and go over and go over and go over. Like a matter of fact, even I belt that he was defending against Booker T, like he didn't win the belt. Like Eric Bischoff just showed up one day on Raw, was like, "All right, we need a champion." So, oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, when they I, had the undisputed, yeah, they brought out the two. Raw was given a new belt, yeah, or a new title. This, this is probably like an aside, but it's going by. It, it's part of the greater um topic where we're talking about him versus Triple H at WrestleMania 19. But I don't know if it was just me or you kind of had the same feeling, Mike, at the time that the fact, like, as soon as Bischoff gave him that belt and he was like, all right, you're the world champion now. Like, that belt always had, like, no value to me. Well, I only know it from the Batista. I guess this was the culmination of this whole Triple H never getting his comeuppings until Batista, uh, Batista, I said a weird Batista. Mm-hmm. That's why that, that's the first angle I started watching again. It was like senior, no, it was like end of, it was like something like a junior year or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started watching wrestling again. I thought it was weird. And like the only other person I like got over on him during that time, I think was uh, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And that, um, yeah, see, so that that era was weird to me because I know he had he brought in Goldberg, he beat Goldberg, Scott Steiner beat him. Um, it was that weird Triple H where he was like bodybuilding, but he was also kind of trying to be like a Ric Flair where he's like better than you. Yeah. Um, but the, in, in into but that Rick, point, but the thing is, Ric Flair lost every now and again. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But to that point, I thought it worked, but there was no payoff. That's the point of like him, like the things he said which we will tell you what he said he was uh so triple h talking to booker t in a promo basically saying uh why you, the goal of you to think that you could be the world champion you know, you're here to entertain me people like me like you're the, the buffoon and it was like kind of like pushing that on you know what i'm, what yeah, what I'm yeah. getting like coonan or whatever mm-hmm. he's like that's your role but in character like i'd be all for that if there was a payoff where booker t 
over, you know, wins. You know, like, what's the point of like doing all this without the payoff? Yeah. You know, that's what that's the thing. I'm, 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 I gripe. That's my gripe is that character should be the one to be saying that type of shit. You know, yeah. that blue blood. Uh, I'm better than you. Um, it's just that, yeah. Looking back, uh, there was no payoff. The guy who did get the payoff was Batista. That yeah. was, that, that, it took four but, years. And then me. even in our WrestleMania match, he said, like, he said all of that stuff. He said, you're here to dance for me. Um, I think it was a point he wanted, he told Batista to clean my toilet. Um, people like you don't get to be world champion. Mind you, he'd been a five-time mm-hmm. world champion at that time. Same belt. <laughs> Same exact belt. Like, <laughs> it'll be my funny and that like that and that whole program like you just pull out a picture it's like oh like people like me don't get to be champion all right how do you explain this <laughs> yeah it's funny like you, they, they were going back on the lore but then the again belt, they, they were acknowledging it they yeah. would have been like well you stole it you probably stole it or something like that but triple um, h was giving it to him they, 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 see now we're booking now we're going back and rebooking this yeah like, and then could have been like hey hey you were given that belt by your uh by you know by bischoff yeah well, it was like very much in poor taste that like he didn't win. Mm. Um, Booker T didn't win, and not only that, but if you watch the match, like they both were like, um, like incapacitated, and Triple H like crawled for like twenty seconds before pinning him. Uh, it was just, it was just terrible. I hope like one day, some at some point in the future, like the story behind that would um be revealed and talked about yeah so uh going forward in the uh in the, in the docu um i mean i talked about this with stone cold uh if you go back and watch the video of stone cold it's up on youtube uh i acknowledge that stone cold stays high on my list just because the fact that i liked him when i was a kid during my peak fandom but also he had a post in-ring career with the podcast and uh, being able to be vocal yet still have a connection to the WWE, you know, uh, company and, you know, the, the name, like he's still, uh, is he's respected from the WWE standpoint and also the fans, mm-hmm. which is hard to do sometimes. Sometimes if you get the fans love, you're going to be like a, like, like a bread heart. The WWE is not going to hype you up, but, uh, he's able to balance it. And Booker T also has a very, very candid podcast for the, like the last, like almost 10 years, same as Stone Cold, uh, reality of wrestling it's also his like school it's his training school and it's also his um company that he, mm-hmm. he runs shows like promotions in texas uh so he's a guy who um despite what we just talked about where he got kind of the short end of the stick in uh wrestling 19 uh he is very vocal about everything else like you'll mm-hmm. see him on like the talking Sm- like we talked about the talking smack with paul Heyman. he'd be on the raw show and he would be just saying f- matter of fact things where th- uh, things WWE might be like, eh, don't bring that up, but he would bring it up. He's that type of guy. But he's still also very affable and he's very like, yeah. he's still, he still toes the company line, but he's also very, very uh, vocal and opinionated and, you know, he has his own. That's kind of like, uh, as, as a whole, um, now I'm going to compare it to other things. I think it ended, it was, uh, it, it was nice bookends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also says that he's not done yet. Like he's still very active in the in the world of pro wrestling and just entertainment, which I think it was the most. That and Stone Cold are the ones that were very very uh, close and open ended. Obviously, because they're still with us. Um, but what did you think overall with the with the uh, with the docu? 
So bro. I love um learning a story, you know, learning his whole life story, but also like the stuff um you know past you know seeing him on on television every week but seeing him with like charmel and like you know how they met each other when she was like a nitro girl and they were friends and they got together and they've been together for all this time married for like you know 15 almost 16 years now two kids they said they had been trying to have kids for years and they finally got two mm. uh twins who we got to see on the, the show very adorable children very uh beautiful family they have and the fact i didn't know that like they asked her back in the great like his my you know i'm a big fan of booker t overall but my favorite mm era of his career and it actually got me back into watching SmackDown was King Buka. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was only like, a, he did that for like six months only or like he, until he left for TNA, which is weird. That's but, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go it, on. Makes, it makes me smile, but it also made me kind of sad because I didn't realize, you know, again, with us talking about him uh, not winning the championship at WrestleMania 19 against Triple H. I didn't realize like that was his only world championship run in WWE. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's astonishing. It's like it's, it's it saddens me. It was beautiful that you know he he was able to have this program where we could get his wife involved, and she was awesome in it too. Um, they, I remember they had a lot of good stuff with um. Kurt Angle at the time, like a lot of fun stuff. And I know that was probably like the last time they did like, you know, racy, racy stuff until they switched oh, yeah. the PG. Is he basically don't have sex with your wife? Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. You're, yeah. Like, you'll just, uh, just say I'm not a fan of the black people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that's basically my, my memory of it is like, when I think about it, I, mi- I, mix, I mix those two together all the time. It's like, I always think that he says, I want to have sex with your black wife. Because I'm, I'm thinking of always funny. But uh, it's that weird humor. Like, Kurt Angle was a weird guy, you know, weird character. Um, yeah. But um, so that's the thing I meant. To, I, 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 I'm not surprised with, that they don't bring up uh, his stint with TN, TNA because that was like 10 years. He was there from like 2000. Six to 2013 or whatever he was part of like the the mafia the yeah, a lot of mafia. Those, yeah a lot of those guys like they were with like tna for like so long i mean like, yeah outside of i never watched tna but it's like so many people where it's like like they'd been with tna for a lot longer than the stuff they're known for like yeah her angle was only in like wwe for like five years well before mm-hmm. he came back recently he was only with WWE from like 1999 to 2006, but he was from he was in TNA from like 2006 to like 2015. And Three Sting, years ago, yeah, yeah, and then Crazy. like Sting was, um, Sting kind of I think he was like in uh he was almost in TNA as long as he was with WCW, which is yeah. amazing Crazy. in its own right. It's just weird, yeah. Like, because when we look back at time, like '90s, I th- I can see it in my mind. Like, that's another thing I want to think about. I always think about is like how you perceive time in your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I guess because it's like mid decade and then the next decade, but like straight up 2006, both of those guys up until they came back. Like Sting was there until he came to WWE in 2014. That's like a, that's almost a decade. 
actively and there's all this like weird history i don't know anything about um but he was he was a success there he got a nice paycheck and everything uh got to see his kids grow and he only did like three show three tapings a month you know and a couple of uh, you know house shows a month and it's kind of like easier yeah. too when you're like older because they film in the same spot so it's easy for you to just be like all right i'm gonna buy a house in like orlando i know orlando's like orlando's lovely a lovely like place to live um i found it on there so i i could see why people gravitate towards that and kind of give it their all there instead of in wwe where you have to be on the road you know basically like 300 days out of the year if more if not more so where do you see uh not from your point of view just like in general as like the general fan where does booker t stack up in the list of like top 15 20 you think he's in the top 10 or top 15 or top 20 what do you think yeah great careers in three different companies three decades yeah you know like and again it goes back to what i was saying where i was like you know every time anybody talks about like the the invasion angle or wcw um coming into you know wcw wrestlers coming in like everybody makes it seem like all of like the big stars came late i'm like booker t was a pretty big star in wwe and i mean in wcw and not only that but wwe already had a lot of guys that were popular in wcw already at that time and a lot of the guys like we were quote-unquote waiting for like people we like i remember the last days of wcw people were tired of those dudes people were tired of nash people were tired like i don't even think scott hall was around at the end hogan had been gone for like months after that goldberg everybody got tired of uh you know brett wasn't coming um sting was the one person like everybody wanted to come and he never Mm -hmm. came yeah and oddly oddly enough we're talking about booker t his program with uh or when he first came out and you know he had that promo with the rock where the rock says who in the hell are you and he's like i'm book and he's like it doesn't matter who you are and you know sting has said that that was the one thing mm-hmm. that kind of like that was one of the like not the main thing but one of the things that's that um turned him off from coming to wc coming to wwe it's like all right i'm gonna come here and you're kind of gonna um you, you know you're kind of gonna make fun of me and make light of my whole career you know and then he waited 10 years for them to mm-hmm. do the exact same thing at WrestleMania yeah. 31. But yeah, I think Booker's he he's he's up there. He's a two-time Hall of Famer. Went in with Harlem Heat, went in by himself. Um, and he's inspired. He's a if you watch this and you weren't inspired by his life, um, from you know his childhood up until this point, he's he's just like uh inspiration is a motivation to us all in this all right let's um you know not give up you know right um with me i i i would compare him to uh uh if i had to compare him to someone uh let's compare him to scott steiner both brothers tag team from wcw um mm-hmm. yeah this they hear me out like 
he definitely had a better solo career than Scott Steiner. You know, you can say that he, he had the success in WWE that Scott Steiner didn't have. Scott, uh, Booker T is, has a documentary on A&E. He is on WWE TV always. Uh, apparently Scott Steiner is banned from WWE, you know, so I think. <laughs> Don't yeah, let this person in. Yeah. So <laughs> if I, so I have to compare it to someone, I'll do that, but definitely with me, uh, he has, he, he checks, he has, he does all the checklists. He checklists, he crosses off all the, the, things i see as like uh upper echelon uh guy symbolic because scott steiner is a person booker t beat to exactly. be on the last nitro to become the last wcw champion uh and i brought up earlier uh you had the uh hulk hogan i'm coming for you and you had the Shockmaster booker t's in both i forgot i just thought about that he's Was he's it? he's in, yeah he's in the Shockmaster video oh. he's he's the opponent so it's him and sid Versus Sting, Bulldog, and the Shockmaster. So he has that going for him. I'll rewatch it after this. <laughs> but yeah, Booker T. He's uh, he's up there. Can oh. you dig it, sucker? Did I say that from you? No. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Final thoughts, Mike. What's up? Okay, so uh, with with the sports, the good old fashioned sports. Uh, I'm excited for. Uh, finish off the weekend with the Knicks, see how everyone places in the, the play-in uh, on the East and the West. Uh, we'll watch that during the week. That'll be fun. And then um, get ready to do some playoff predictions and see what happens. Uh, it's, it's like a new I – like, I feel like it's a new uh, era, our new generation in basketball right now for some reason. I think it's open it's – open, the field is open for the next uh, Warriors, let's say, like the next team, you know. Uh, so that should be exciting for like the next Yo, man. team with hey, the most cop space that, and the most draft capital. And the stench is gone until unless he pokes his nose back, and you know no one's really thinking about Dolan. You know, so no, um, no. I mean, not to interrupt your final thoughts, but you know what? At the end of the day, Dolan is the one I brought in Leon Rose, and Leon Rose is the one that's turned things around. It ain't the issue with Dolan is. He's been willing to spend the money, but he's not brought in the right people. And he's clearly this time around seemed like he's brought in the right guy because the whole thing is um, different. And I feel like if we're going to be out here handing all of this credit out and stuff like that, like James, James Dolan deserves like a ton of credit for the season too. You can't just give him credit when the team's performing bad. Like if the team's performing good, he deserves credit as well. But Mike, yeah, I mean that that same thing happened with Steinbrenner for a long time, and um, we love them when when they're winning. It's right when Steinbrenner was poking his nose in it when it was working. So the same kind of deal. Uh, personality aside, you know, different personalities. So then also the Yankees, let's rock and roll, man. Mid May, um, we have another you know six weeks, and I don't know where it's going to be the All Star break. So it's, it's going to creep up on us. Um, Two things that we talked about where I was like, eh, where, where's my stance on it? You know, something that's real powerful and you know, dead, deadly real, you know, Palestine, Israel. I'm, you know, my whole life, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a man of history. You know, I read history and everything. And it's this is present day history going on now. And um, especially where we are, there's a lot of people who have strong opinions. Uh, people that are in the, the public uh, sphere people that make decisions for us they you know they're vocal about it uh we as people could be vocal about it and just talk and ask questions uh and then on the flip side i wasn't sure if i even wanted to bring up a thing about a, a celebrity because 
I try not to bring it, bring that into our show. Um, but I think we, the way we talked about it, I think it, it, it proves, it, it supports my opinion, my idea that um, we, we should be able to talk about everything. Um, and this is the forum for it. So I don't, I don't do any tweets. I just stick with our, uh, our show. And, um, and again, when we, 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 I've been planning for this show all week and I had it written down. And of course, last night I got to like throw it away and I'll start over again because someone else in the world of pro wrestling, New Jack died. Uh, someone who was not just a old past ghost in the past. He was active. Uh, I was actually expecting him to show up maybe in like an AEW or something like that. Just as like in like a, in a backstage thing, a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, beautifully wrapped up by Paul Heyman, uh, one of a kind, very unique guy. And, um, again, once WWE archive is back up there, they have all his stuff. He wasn't, he was never on WWE TV, but they, he, they have all his stuff pretty much. And everything else is on YouTube. Watch him try to kill someone on, on YouTube right now. Uh, Booker T, uh, this was a good one. Also, I suggest watching the Hidden Treasures of with Booker T. It's just cool to see him hanging out with uh, another Texan. You'll see that if you watch it. Uh, it was great to see Charmel was involved. Charmel was a Nitro dancer. He married her. They got married. Uh, next week's episode is Shawn Michaels. He ended up with a Nitro girl too, a Nitro dancer. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice little segue. Uh, another Texas guy, Shawn Michaels. Uh, let's see how they handle his career. Uh, I, I haven't even seen. I haven't even looked up who 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 worked on it because I think it might be more heavily WWE. So that should be fun to watch. Um, and that's that's uh, fifty two for me. Yeah. C C C C. Yeah, Shawn sees this about the uh, hair as we do episode fifty two. Um, Faldo's Booker T, one of the greatest. Um, always been a big fan of him. Him from the first time I saw him with Stevie Ray and Harlem Heat. Um, up until you know the last time he had his pinky in the air as mm-hmm. King Booker, and now him, um, occasionally being a guest on Talking Smack and other different WWE ventures so um i know he said his son uh that he reconnected with when he got out of jail and tried to raise when he came out of jail i know that had to been rough because you know he was on the road as a wrestler so you already have kind of like a difficult relationship to begin with um and he's he's in jail, so hopefully when he gets out, if he gets out, um, he, you know, he could be on the right path and they could reconnect and uh, be one big happy family again. Uh, Palestine, Israel, I got like, you know, I'm optimistic. This has been like a conflict for far longer than me and uh, Mike's been alive, but I think it's gotten to the point now with like social media and, you know, people being able to spread information a lot more that now you're kind of seeing both sides rather than one side. And hopefully that brings uh, positive things out of it and things could be made peaceful because now, um, both both sides could be confronted with 
you know, where, where they've done wrong and, you know, hopefully there could be some kind of peace and reconciliation with the Palestinian people and the people of Israel and, you know, both sets of people. That's, that's um, what I wish and hope for them and that the there's no more deaths and no more casualties, especially when children are being the ones that are killed um, woman to woman. Mm. You know, like, you know, if you, you know, call us up 1-800-223-9797. You ever had somebody approach you as a woman? You ever had somebody approach you as a man? Let, let us know. Like, you ever blown blown up somebody's spot as 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 the side piece? Like, let us know. We 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 try to infuse some like fun stuff in here because we talk about a lot of heavy things. Another heavy thing we talked about was New Jack, um, embodiment of extreme championship wrestling. A very candid person. As I stated, if you're not familiar with New Jack, you can look up his clips on YouTube, his his various um, matches, which were very um, not not for the weak of stomach because they were very gory. But if you want to learn more about him as a per- person, Dark Side of Ring, a whole episode dedicate, dedicated to him. He had an interview with DJ Vlad where he was very, very candid and very open and discussing things. He never hold, held back, never sugarcoated anything. He called everything as is. Like I said, he <laughs> somebody I, he asked him, like, you know, you stopped this guy. It says you stopped this guy 16 times. He was like, I didn't stop him 60 times. It was nine. I counted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so he's he's very, very out and open about things. And it's just sad, like, he, he's no longer here. I don't think he would have ever been on, like, WWE and stuff like that. Because he's, he's very um, honest. And in some rooms or some circles, honesty uh, could work against you. Uh, and lastly, sports, Yankees keep doing their thing. They're turning the corner. Um, I don't get into the Garrett Cole, Jason DeGrom thing. Because, I mean, Jacob DeGrom, because I don't watch the Mets, but I am aware that he is an extraordinary pitcher, a two-time Cy Young Award winner. I am under the belief that Garrett Cole should have won the Cy Young in 2019 when he was with the Astros. So, you know, that's an unbiased opinion. Uh, But he's he's been extremely dominant uh, going forward. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do going forward with the um, guys coming off the injured list, like Severino at some point in the summer, uh, Domingo Homan, he's been pretty damn, he's been pretty solid, um, coming back from, you know, losing a year of his career because, you know, he committed domestic violence, which is not cool, but, you know, his wife, forgi- his, his wife has forgiven him, so, can everybody else in my opinion uh, he's been pitching pretty damn well he, he's not Garrett Cole good but he's been serviceable so I'm gonna keep watching them Knicks I'm gonna keep watching the playoffs I'm excited for the playoffs for the first time since I was 23 years old um and Carmelo Anthony was leading us and we were Atlantic Division champions and we had a pretty damn like not only an exceptional season but 
a pretty damn good season, by the way, especially if we win tomorrow and end the year 41 and 31, like something you, you'd never even have predicted. So I'm excited to watch them next week in the playoffs. And the play-in games, like usually NBA playoffs, games that don't involve the Knicks, I don't watch because I'm bitter. And I'm like, mm-hmm. my team sucks. I'm never going to see them on this stage. But I'm actually excited for the playing games, especially if, you know, the Warriors and the Lakers match up and you get to see another Steph and LeBron showdown. And then you have um, Boston and Jason Tatum and Washington with Russell Westbrook. Indiana with Sabonis. Ain't really mm-hmm. a household name, but, you know, he's, he's a pretty damn good basketball player. I forgot who's the other team in the Eastern Conference in play. But there's a lot of good teams in the play, and so I'm really excited to see how this first run of playing games work. Um, Check out the YouTube channel. We got a bunch of new videos I dropped. So check those out. We had the Stone Coast Steve Austin from last week. If you missed that, we have the 1776 and 1619 project where we just discuss, you know, how history going forward should be taught. Should it be whitewashed or should it be, you know, truthful and, you know, full of facts instead of sanitized facts? Really interesting video. And uh, every Thursday from here on out, Instead of dropping them every other day, every Thursday, Sugar reviews the brews and no one's going to drop. It's three minutes long, uh, maybe five minutes sometimes, where I discuss beers, um, drink a beer and tell you about it and review it, suggest it, what I like, what I don't like about it. So check those out. Mike, anything else? Yeah, I mean, the, with the Sugar Reviews, the Brews, uh, I watched a bunch. It was the uh, Bronx Brewery. So we watched some Yankee games. Knock a few of the Bronx Brewery uh, down. Uh, again, and a lot of IPAs. Um, so always check that out. Um, you know, this time of year with the NBA, that's going to be fun for you guys to watch. Yeah, and I'm actually going to like start diversifying because in talking with my guy at my beer spot, I was like, man, I've been – he suggested some stuff to me, and I'm like, all right, I'm like tired of like, you know, hazy, juicy IPAs. So I was like – you know what, maybe let me start branching out into like lagers and pilsners and Belgians and all kinds of different beers I haven't tried on the show instead of being strictly IPAs because I know IPAs aren't for like everybody and mm-hmm. I don't want to like lose an, a segment of our audience because every time we drop one, it's me drinking an IPA. Yeah, and I'm uh, living vicariously through Shug with these spruce. Uh, what am I going on? Like 45 days. Oh, my own. What if four or five days on drink? Um, so yeah, so check those out. Uh, there's a bunch of wrestling things going to come out too. Um, I think it's just in the height because we talk a lot of stuff about uh, we talk we go all over the place in general, but especially with wrestling. So I think if you watch it with the visuals, it uh, it, it enhances it. Mm-hmm. And because um, rewatching it, I know we bounce around with like the Roddy Piper. We bounce around. Uh, Macho Man is the biggest one. It's bounce around. Uh, check out. Uh, I also have an, uh, more wrestling stuff coming out this month and later down the line. If you're into that, I know you a lot of you guys who are. I got a lot of feedback from people today during today in the last few days on Instagram, and appreciate it. It's a uh, 
sometimes when you're making videos, you're like, oh man, what's the point? And then you get good feedback, you feel good. Uh, so it keeps us going. Uh, and we're gonna keep going, keep rocking and rolling, to quote Dirt Diggler. <laughs> keep on keeping on. Yeah. yeah, man. So this has been episode 52 of Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney.